Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because you've got powerful legs, how'd you get the physique? Was it gym or how'd you get the physique? Um, I've always been that She's actually not got powerful legs. Do you shower in your dressing room? Do you have a shower on the day of a fight or not? Tell us about the tattoos. Shut the fuck up, you little prick. But then I've got the phoenix. Hey, prick. So I'll take it from Bob every day of the week. An absolute disgrace. I'm sure this... no one will mind. Move him out of here, Darren. Ricky Hatton didn't go over for his fighter because he risked getting abducted and sold into sexual I love how that. Both have been rape victims. I'm not watching Frank Buglioni live on Saturday night. Get out of your mind. Jesus Christ, get yourself a life. He's actually a uh, priest. Yeah, yeah. It's because his brother John Fury eye gouged him. What have I told you all this time? He's going to end up sucked out, fucked out, looking for a handout. Boxing, um, nutters, messenger group. Oh, they're going to, oh, I'm going to be the king. Jay Pump, you know what I'm saying? Welcome everyone to episode 557 of the Boxing Asylum Nuthouse podcast. You can find it uh, on uh, Spotify, on uh, iTunes Player, on uh, YouTube, all the places, part of the Sports Social Network. We're we are all the places you want to be. We're like the American Express, a podcast. Joining me today, Steve Wellings, Des, Andy Patterson, I'm your host, Matt D. Gelinardo. Last night or early this morning, depending on what side of the pond you're waking up on, you were witness to the defining win of Jaime Munguia's career up to this point as he took out John Ryder in his, I believe it was nine rounds, knocking him down four times. Uh, Ryder had a nice little spell kind of in the middle rounds, trying to pull it back, but Munguia 
kind of finished it off with a with a hard right hand. Uh, Ryder, tough as they come, uh, been a fun fighter to watch. Probably the end of the road for him. But Steve, um, under the tutelage of Freddie Roach, I don't know how much better Munguia looks, but I gotta say, I, I don't think that the uh, uh, lackluster version that we know would have uh, beaten John Ryder and beaten him in that fashion last night. Uh, I, I I gotta say kudos to uh, Jaime Munguia and to Freddie Roach. What do you think? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Munguia's improving. We've seen him in the past. I compared him to an excitable puppy coming forward. He was always exciting, but he looks like someone who's just maturing now. He's got a nice head of hair as well, which I'm a fan of. Uh, Fast combinations. The jab was working well, looked a bit more patient. He was throwing the right hand to the body, which was working. And I think there's a lot to like about Munguia. He is treated as a bit of a joke, but he's got an exciting style. He's been defensively irresponsible for most of his career, which makes for exciting fights. But last night, he just took, he just stepped back a little bit, I thought, and worked off the jab. Just just a bit more of a mature performance. He brings a good crowd as well, which is always a, um, a bonus. Freddie's on board, adding to that offensive arsenal, as you mentioned. Eric Morales is in the background. Oscar hasn't fucked anything up just yet. So I'm, I'm a Mungia fan and Ryder. I think it's just the end of a long, hard road for John Ryder, isn't it? Finally, he got his uh, pat on the back and his payday. Uh, the final fight against Canelo got the win over Danny Jacobs. Had a real sort of swan song to his career, which he deserved because he's he's done things the hard way. But I just looked at him during fight week and I thought, he looks a little bit beaten up, a little bit disconsolate. Maybe he's had a few hard spars or it's a long career catching up on him. And I, I, thought, I thought last week the Canelo fight would be the, the, the end of the road for him. And he, he gave that one last great performance and last night he tried his best too young too fresh Mungia and Ryder just had nothing for him like to see him pack it in now don't think he needs to take any more shots and become a yardstick he tried his best but the next generation are taking over and and John Ryder's in the past generation now unfortunately yeah it it does seem to be that way but um you know, I, I got to say, Des, that, that Ryder uh you know he's been on the podcast a few times we obviously love the guy um he, he never turned down a challenge, got the wrong end of it, uh, you know, more than a, more than once for sure. Um, and if, if this is the end, uh, he doesn't need to hang his head in shame by any stretch. Uh, he had a damn good career, and uh, I, I never thought that he phoned it in when he was in the ring. No, absolutely. And that's, that's I mean, Steve, Steve gave John a really good pitch there. He's never had it easy. He's always had to do it the hard way, and there's... There's something very old school about John Ryder. And if you've been around a few years, you remember Howard Eastman and you might remember Michael Watson. And before that, you remember Dennis Andres. And before that, you remember Tony Simpson. Well, John Ryder comes from that cloth. He's one of the guys that shouldn't really still be here. John's hung around a long time. He's been, he's been very dogged. He's persevered. He's been stubborn. And when you think back to, I'm, I'm a Londoner. I don't come... I come from a part of London where John comes from as well. It's not too far. So I follow John from the very word go and I've got to know him personally on that journey. And I think back to the early days and what, what I might tell you now, I might surprise a few people, but Steve mentioned coming up the hard way. I think in John's first five professional fights, he boxed on four different promotional cards. He was never aligned to any one promoter. He was the unwanted kid. Um, he turned pro with no titles, with no vests. He was a sparring partner. And I know we use the phrase learning on the job, but John really did coin that phrase. 
he's learned on the job and he's had to. He's had to travel. He's had to, I mean, he was going up to the iOS before he even turned pro. Spine of all their pros, spine of all their elite amateurs. And he had to replicate that under the lights. And John, if you look at his, particularly his first 10 fights, John was that kid. Now, I don't mean this to be disrespectful. I'm, it's just a mark of how much I respect him. John was a kid that was fighting for peanuts while they were stacking the chairs and turning the lights off. You know, John's that kid. He's had a really hard career. And if I, if I can have a minute, Matty, just to sort of go over his career very briefly. Please, please. Um, you know, John... John wasn't meant to beat Eamon O'Kane, if you can remember that one. Eamon was a standout amateur. Eamon was the Commonwealth gold medalist and the Irish national champion. But John was brilliant that night. And beating Eamon O'Kane the way he did got him the Billy Joe Saunders fight. But this was a sign of things to come for John. He had to go on a Warren show to do it. And he lost a close one. But the fight after that, he was back at the Camden Palais on another promoter show fighting for peanuts again. And he was fighting for his career back then. And I think after uh, Billy Joe Saunders came, if you remember him, Jez Wilson. Now, he was a kid that was doing a few bits up north. And him and John had both been beaten. And I think that fight was pretty much what promoters do. We're not sure who to get behind, so you can fight each other and we'll get behind the winner. John was fighting for his career 10 years ago. So he beat Jez Wilson. Then back on another promoter show, fighting for a British title with Nick Blackwell. One of the worst stoppages I've seen in a British title fight. But he got stopped. Where do you go from now? They've been trying for a British title for five years. They've not won it. And I think the promoter and the trainer and John all sat around and said, look, let's try our luck in deeper waters. So they, they literally went around the country fighting prospects, Kids on the up, and it was Jack Arnfield, Adam Etches, Rocky Fielding, Jamie Cox, uh, Callum Smith. He probably wasn't meant to win any of them fights. But John done what John does. He stuck around. He lost a few that he should have won. And in the case of Danny Jacobs, he probably won one that he, won't, he shouldn't have won. But he deserved that. And I'm really pleased John got the Canelo fight. I'm really pleased John got the Mongia fight. I don't think any of us thought John was going to win those two fights. But I think it was just rewards for the career he's had. He's been around for a decade and a half. He's had a very solid, honest career. No scandal. He's never let himself down. He's always turned up in shape. He's always been a crowd pleaser. I'm really, I'm really proud of John's effort because I know where he's come from. He weren't meant to be here. He's done really well from where he started. I think John can hold his head high. And I think John can be really proud of the career he's had. Well stated. Well stated. You 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 have a you have a lot Thank of passion you. for the guy. You the you know, it's 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 good when you know, like I said, you said he probably got the the right, uh, the wrong end of that uh, Jacobs decision, but uh, you know, the on the right side of it, um, and it, uh, and that that uh, that really gave him. I mean, it, you look at it. I mean, they gave him the Canelo payday, so I mean, that was the, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that was the retirement money basically right there. So everything you put in got out right there, and, and sometimes it happens that way. And and I, 
I think we ha- do have to give credit to Eddie for kind of maneuvering that with this fight, the other fight, getting him one at home, etc. It was uh, well done on him. I, I bet uh, John has nothing but good things to say about Eddie, to be honest with you. Well, well, John and John and Eddie started this journey together. You know, I think John was a boxer before Eddie came into the scene. Like I say, John was boxing on Steve Goodwin shows, on Mick Hennessy shows, before Eddie, before he boxed for Matchroom. So John John started his journey perhaps about the same time or maybe just before Eddie come into it. But I just, you know, there could be people that might discredit John and they might say he's not won a British title or a European title or a world title. But sometimes there's context to a career. You know, Steven Gerrard never, never won a Premier League title. Matt Letitia never won a, a trophy. I think there's always context to a sportsman's career. And I think John fits that bill. And I think there's a part of a lot of us who think there's a little bit of John Ryder in us. We see ourselves in John because I genuinely mean this. He never turned pro with a, a, a GB vest. He never turned pro with ABA titles. He never got out of London's. But there's context to John's career. And it has been a hard road. He has had to stick with it. And when you, when you, when you think back to the early days, John was fighting on cards with Eric Ochin and Wadi Camacho and Lenny Dawes and Colin Lyons. John's really hung around. He's seen the 2008 Beijing squad come and go. He's seen the 2012 squad come and go. John's really stuck around. And if there was ever a fighter that you had to say, his career should be judged off paper because there's context to it. I think John's that guy. Absolutely. He's certainly one of those cases of you look at his record and people might have an opinion, but you have to say, did you watch those fights? You know, what, what, what's behind that record? Um, so uh, fantastically stated there, Des. Um, Andy, that was, I'll tell you what I thought was most interesting for me towards the end there is the fact that the referee couldn't see the corner with the towel and, uh, and all sorts of people are trying to... Yeah, all sorts of people are trying to alert him, and the timekeeper just steps in and says, ah, fuck it, this thing is over. I don't know if I've ever seen that before, but uh, fair play to the timekeeper. I think he did the right thing, Andy. Yeah, I obviously did the through the towel, and um, I was I was shocked. I was I was shocked. I mean, obviously Steve and, and I think Rob and that were kind of broke it down last week and that as well. It's the why they felt it's maybe a step too far. I, I felt John still had a wee bit more, and how it basically turned out as it had nothing left really it was it just never really bothered Mungia a lot I felt I mean Mungia personally wasted uh, a fair bit of energy just popping up and down on the spot but other than that it's an impressive win for him uh, especially to, uh, today anyway but um, one thing I did notice about Mungia was just using that reach certainly has looked like he's grown into the weight as well 27 now he's going to be so saying the, the old man strengths now coming in, in at the kids six feet tall. He's a big, big super middleweight. Um, working on that one too as well, like uh, Freddie used to do with Pacquiao and that. You know, kind of darting in and out with the kind of one two. He's stepping um, with the right hand. Yeah, and he's was, throwing it from a longer distance than where he's landing it. And he was he was catching John with shots, and John John's reacting to these shots in the past. It just it just wouldn't happen. So I, in hindsight, I probably would agree with Steve from last week in that that the Canelo fight was the last hurrah, and uh, you know I agree with everything everybody's been saying. He, he deserves his flowers now at this point. You know he deserves to kind of go out now. His head held high, 
last five years, I mean, you think about it as well, it's, it's been a good transformation. You think about it, he went up in weight to 168 and it totally transformed his career. Remember that time he used to come on here with us a number of times, you know, after fights, just as he was gradually building himself into that weight class. The Callum Smith fight as well, obviously, he should have had the win in that one. And then obviously he's, he's had to keep picking away and keep waiting to get that, that big moment against Canelo when, it, when he finally got it. Gave it everything he had, broken nose, you know, he just he's got badly beaten up in the end and that as well. Gave everything he had, never never quitting him. And it says I think, I think Des gave 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 the best talking uh, at, at this point. That it's been a great career. He should walk away now at this point. I don't want to hear him even contemplating moving to the European level or domestic level or even settling scores with other domestic fighters who may want to have a, a pick at him. He's earned his money. He's earned his flippers. Let him go. And uh, just say all the best to him because it's been it's been a very very good career. Absolutely, great guy. Just can't say anything bad about him. Um, and we hope that uh, he is uh, going to ha- enjoy his retirement and he's saving well because uh, he he definitely deserves to enjoy the fruits of his labor. Uh, Steve Andamangia, let let's take away some promotional barriers here and and just be be oblivious fans for a moment. What are, what are some fights? that you would like to see uh, for Jaime Munguia coming up here. Uh, I mean, there's a, I, I just think whether he wins or loses all of them, I think there are just so many entertaining fights at super middleweight that you can attach Jaime Munguia to. Mm, it's difficult, isn't it? We take away promotional barriers and then you can pick out a number of different names, but unfortunately promotional barriers are always going to be, uh, you know, in, in the way. He wants Canelo, that's what he's saying, the all-Mexican showdown. It kind of makes sense. Canelo, we're told, is looking at Charlo, and then after that, it's going to be Benavidez. He's with a completely different promotional entity. That seems unrealistic at the moment. Benavidez as well, unrealistic. Someone like a Christian and Billy, more realistic. Two come-forward fighters, both oh, that's undefeated. Fun. That's fun. Yeah, I think that'd be good. We'd look forward to that. Maybe a bit of a lesser level, that's maybe big. someone like a Bazinian or something to keep him going. Melikuziev is with Oscar. He's lost before. Good fighter. The Canadian. The Canadian yeah. fought, uh, what do you call him again? Oh. Bazinian. The one you been just Bazinian. mentioned. Ah, sorry, yeah, I Eric, forgot. Eric Bazinian. Yeah, that's the one. Eric Bazinian, yeah. He thought he fought on Thursday against Godoy. He's that's kind right. of just ticking along, looking for an opportunity. Somebody like that. Undefeated. Uh, winner stays on kind of thing. Uh, Pacheco is with Eddie at the moment. Edgar Balanga. That's He's with Eddie fight. at the moment. There's options out there for him, but they might try and co- keep him toasting until they can get him an opportunity. Guys like Andre, uh, Morel, Plant, PBC guys, you can write them off at the moment. I don't think they're realistic, but you can't look down as well. Uh, as Sergio Mora was saying on the broadcast, it's time for him to fight a big name now. He can't keep on fighting the sort of lesser guys. Uh, he, ha- he has to move on up. But... There's no, a few but... of them in that in that class, so isn't there, Stephen? You got mm-hmm. you got Bazinian, you've got Mangia. I mean, that's that was probably Mangia's best win there last night. You know, in terms yeah, of easily. name level, easily. Yeah. But then you're looking at Bazinian. He needs that next level opponent now as well. Mimbelli is the same. He needs that next level. Mm-hmm. Pacheco, he's the next one. He's he needs that next level opponent. They're all on the cusp there. I, th- I think maybe Pacheco, Andy, has a little bit more leeway because he's only 22. They might sort of hold him back. Belanga, he's 26. I he's 21 and 0. I think that's more likely that in that uh, whole Mexican-Puerto Rican showdown thing there, mm-hmm. Steve. I, I yeah. think Munguia against Berlanga. Um, I could see that happening. Definitely favour Munguia. Would be a firefight for sure. Yeah, Belanga and Billy. 
Melakuziev, they're the kind of names I'd be looking at if they can't get the big one. I think Canelo's wishful thinking, Matty, to be honest, although I would be a fan of, of that fight. If Munguia was PBC, Steve, I think that Canelo would jump on that fight. Yes, he would. He would. Because, because I, I kind of, it, in, in some ways, and I, I might be wrong on this, and I'd love to hear you guys' input, I kind of look at Munguia as Benavidez light. Do you, any thoughts on that? Mm, I think size-wise, Benavidez bullies you with his size. Munguia, maybe not the biggest. He comes forward with a bit more ferocity rather than the power and the size of Benavides. So I'm not too sure about that one, but PBC are very insular. So I can't see them letting, they've got Canelo now tied up. I can't see them letting him out of his grip in any shape or form. They'll want to keep that in-house. Matt, are you in the house? Oh yeah. Sorry. I was on mute. Des, I see you're unmuted. Did you want to, to get a say in on that? Yeah, I just think it's, it's hard to correctly navigate Mungia because although he's been around for a long time, he's over 40 fights, and he's proven himself to be a top operator. There's something about him. I just don't think he's polished enough for the top end. And I just think the Benavidez's and the Canelos would find him out. I think they're just too crisp. They punch too accurate. Um, although last night was the best version of Mungia we've seen. But I think that might that might be a lot to do with Perhaps in America, you'll tell us, Matty, John Ryder's a bit like how we view David Lemieux. Good fighter, but our top kids should beat him. And I think maybe that encouraged Mungia to be so proactive yesterday. He come out really on the front foot, very aggressive, loads of energy. And I think that fight was won in the first five rounds last night. But that was all down to Mungia. But I think if he was to fight someone like Benavidez or a Canelo, I think he'd be found out. So you kind of look to a Belanga or a Mumbili, but then again, I don't think them fights are big enough, and I think Mungir deserves a big fight. Yeah, he's he's been around a while, and I, I think the name's coming. I mean, honestly, a, a fight that would sell, and again, promotional issues are there. Uh, Benavidez against Munguia is obviously, uh, I mean, the Mexican fan base would just yeah. eat that up. Be brilliant, wouldn't they? I think yours was a good shape, Matty. The Belanga one, obviously, it'd be cross-promotional, but within the zone ecosystem, you'd think that would make things easier to navigate. Unfortunately, it seems Oscar, Eddie rarely work together with with the biggest fighters even though they're under the zone they can't the zone can't seem to force them to make the fights but Belanga uh, and Munguia Mexico versus Puerto Rico I think it was a great show well, from you well uh, yeah and I'd love to see it but Steve apparently Oscar and Eddie did get together and he was asked by the announcer uh for dinner and then Oscar said dessert and I was like well that sounds a little weird but okay you know whatever it takes to get these fights done you, you know if you guys got to blow each other then then, then by all means do it i, I want the yeah. fights yeah on pay-per-view <sighs> we'll get to that steve i have a bone to pick about pay-per-views today um so that was a fantastic uh f- fun night from uh, from uh Mungia. and i gotta say if you have one takeaway from it i don't think that Ryder was shot and the fact that Mungia stopped him and stopped him decisively and arguably, that's what to take away from that fight is because uh, people don't do that to John. I don't think he's shot. That's too strong a word, but I think he's worn out. <laughs> he's he's on the he's on the back end of it for freaking sure. That's for sure. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I I thought when when I seen this fight announced at the time, I I was a wee bit kind of surprised to to be fair. Like I mean, there's I know it's January and he fought 
Alvarez was at June time last year, and I know it's like six months now, but it was it was it was a hard fight for him, and they come back in that time frame. I just thought, I'm just surprised at it. To be fair, eh? and I think I think if if you see the way Mungia fought and beat Devrinchenko, it was an awful big ask for John, particularly after the hard fight he had with Canelo. I think this was this was probably geared up. Oscar and Hopkins are not going to bring John Ryder over to beat their kid, are they? They're going to bring John Ryder over to make their kid look good. They're going to they're going to bring John Ryder over to potentially springboard Mungai onto a big fight. But I don't think John. No, John's not shot. You don't fight like that if you're shot. But I think Mungai was the wrong style at this stage in John's career. But I understand the money behind it. And I understand the move. A couple of years ago, Des um, Ryder against Derevinchenko would have been a fun fight, wouldn't it? Brilliant fight, yeah, absolutely. Look, look, didn't we just? I mean, you know, look, we were sort of we're paying our respect to John because he's been a solid operator for for a decade and a half, and we've all sort of watched the journey. But when hasn't John ever turned up? When hasn't he ever been in shape? When hasn't he ever looked immaculate? When hasn't he ever given us value for money? So, I, I mean, if John was five years younger. John, John against Benavidez, John against Mambili, John against Devonchenko. John, mm-hmm. John's been, like I say, there's always context to people's careers. Uh, the best c- comparison I can make is probably Tony Simpson. For those who remember Tony Simpson, he was a world-class operator. He didn't win the big ones, but he, he was in that company. And that's the best thing I can say about John. He was a world-class operator. We're not talking about Canelo or, or Benavidez. Or, we're not talking about that. If you were to pick someone out, say who's going to hold his own, who's going to give him, you know, do himself well, conduct himself properly, and put up a good fight, John's always that guy. And domestically, we forget Billy Joe Saunders is probably one of the best British middleweight champions post-war. If you look at Billy Joe up to the Andy Lee fight, Billy Joe Saunders' record domestically was brilliant. John fought him. Um, John fought Callum Smith. John Smalt Rock, fought Rocky Fielding. John fought Jamie Cox. John, John's got a brilliant resume at domestic level. So, yeah, he reminds me so much of Alan Simpson, uh, Tony Simpson because he was the guy that he didn't win the big ones, but he belonged in the big ones. Well, there's some British boxing history for you folks right there. Um, what is not part of British boxing history but uh, it could very well be uh, part of the great uh, history of Puerto Rican boxing. Oscar Coyazo uh, picking up another minimum weight title defense, uh, this time over Rainieres Gutierrez, stopping him in the third round. Um, and Andy, this, <laughs> this kid is freaking sharp, man. He has every punch in the book. He is calm. He's got good feet. I need to see, you know, obviously we need a couple more fights from him, but I mean, I'm thinking this guy might end up being the best minimum weight since Chocolatito. That's a, that's a big pedestal to film, mate, to be fair. To be honest, I didn't catch any undercard now, but you, you know, I've, I've uh, spoken to you in the past about Colazo. He does look, everything you just mentioned there. Um, Future-wise, again... Because it's just it's so light, you could you could jump between the divisions. There is title fights here that you know he could maybe have. I think it'd be interesting to see if he can get the IBF title fight against that guy Jinjiro, who is he's he's all action as well. He's a thick set 
for that weight class and that as well. I think Colazzo against Chinchiro would be an excellent fight to be to make it that weight class, to be fair, mate. Um didn't catch any to be honest with you, so I, I can't comment on it. I'm just like looking at future options here. Um a couple of fights here, but nothing nothing great. Um longevity is going is going to be the main thing for him, really, if he's going to stand out to be fair. You know how long it took Gonzalez to break out into the main public and it took him years. And I'm talking nearly a decade must be the best part of a decade before he made the breakout. Well, let me say never so, do. Well, because of the that uh you know that road paved by Chocolatito bringing attention to the lower weight classes. Coyazo isn't having that problem. This is his ninth professional fight, and I think I've seen his last four fights on the uh, zone cards. So uh, he's, uh, I mean, he's going to have a chance maybe to springboard um, into the uh, into the minds of boxing fans so, far quicker. Yeah, I just think as well, maybe Oscar, maybe, oh, I know he's, I say to you guys before, actually, that Oscar's planning and making, or he's building, or planning to build, a small indoor arena, and it's going to be purely sighted for boxing for like, say, I remember like your old Thursday night fight shows and that used to have like your build up cards. Mm-hmm. That's where Oscar's you know is, is planning. I understand, and then obviously it's going to be near the, the T Mobile for the bigger cards, that type of thing. So that's what he's planning, but I, I wouldn't think he's planning then taking anything over to the East Coast because this kid's Puerto Rican. I'm interested to see if he could tap into that New York market and try and get some of the Puerto Ricans, but. Taxis at the end of the day, Matt, you came better than me, but Las Vegas hasn't they got a... No state income tax. No in state Nevada. income tax. No. So it makes sense for Oscar at this point in this, 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 you know, in this market at this, at this point to be looking at that. But um, I just think he's, he's going to struggle, I think, because, simply because of the weight class. Puerto Ricans have been running about the kind of like welterweight and that he's going to be he's going to be phenomenal. He's going to be, he is going to be, but as I says, he needs he needs to break out fights. Now I just think he's he's just unfortunate in that weight class. It's just, it just isn't going to get them. He needs the right dance partner. And again, like Estrada and Gonzalez, you know those two kind of like it would be ideal if he could get like a an opponent right now that could he could face, and then maybe five years down the line they can face again like Estrada and Gonzalez did, you know, for example if they, if they remain the course but it's going to take special fighters to do that mate Amen, Amen uh, Des, I, I saw you were coming off a of mute over there uh, were, you, were you wanting to get uh, something in on uh, the uh, the wonder that might be Oscar Coyazo? Yeah, I'm, I'm in agreement with you I think he's a terrific fighter but you see, you know like sometimes you see someone from the blocks and last night Colazzo just looked like a winner from the change room, the way he was warming up, the way his ring walk, the way he got into the ring, his presence, his demeanour, the way he approached the fight, his strategies, the way he put his punches together. And you called it, you said he might be the most exciting minimum weight fighter since um, Chocolatito. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the next one. He's a really, really exciting prospect, really good fighter. And we're always looking for guys at these lower weights to give us something. You know, we talk about Inoue and all that he brings to his respective division. We've just seen it with Bam. I think this is the next one. I think he's going to be a really exciting journey. Yeah, it, it'll be curious to see where that journey goes to. He, he's only five foot two, 61 inch reach. Um, he, he's definitely uh, not, not a, a huge minimum weight by any stretch. So I, I wonder how far he could jump. Steve, uh, your thoughts on this little offensive wrecking machine? Very few thoughts uh, in addition to what everybody else has said. I didn't even see this one, to be honest. This, Fulgham, and uh, what was the other one? 
there was another fight on here that I didn't get to see. Either. I didn't see the women's fight. And I can't remember anyway, but I, there was a few that I didn't get to catch, unfortunately. But I did. I have seen Colazo in the past against Jerusalem uh, and Diajan, I think it was, or Reyes. I'm looking down his record. I've seen a, f a few in the past, and he's explosive. I like a puncher at the lower weights as well, 9 and 07 knockouts, and he brings the heat. But yeah, he, he didn't bring enough heat for me the weekend because I, I didn't get to see it, unfortunately. Oh, it's worth your time to catch those three rounds, Steve, because I think we're going to be talking about this guy for quite some time. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, so uh, since you didn't catch the rest of the card, kind of go over it. Uh, I saw uh, Picasso. Yeah, that was uh, – he hurt, him, hurt his rib yeah. or something there, like through the fifth round and kind of uh, let, let off the gas there. Interesting fight there. Kind of got tested towards the end by Eric Ruiz. Um, a fairly enjoyable fight all in all. Yeah, uh, Picasso paints a beautiful picture, Matty. Somebody had to come up with that one. I didn't hear the commentary uh, hitting on that one too much, but he looked a million dollars, didn't he, for the first three or four rounds? I thought he looked class. He was he wanted to stop this Ruiz. I don't think he'd been stopped before. Ruiz had a bit of a hard look story, so I was kind of rooting for him a little bit. They were talking about his, his flat had been flooded a few weeks ago and he had to get the kids out and he'd had a lot of battle with alcohol and he was a year sober and you were kind of pitching for him. I'll tell you what, he took a hell of a shot. Never been stopped. Fucking flush world shot. class chin. World class. Chin, man. This Picasso was hitting him with absolutely everything and he just could not budge him. And then, as you say, I think he ended up with a rib injury or something. And, and he went from coming forward to stepping right off. Ruiz started hitting him to the body then, started pushing him back. Hadn't got the power or the skill or the nose, I think, to get in range and do any damage. And Picasso dealt with the injury very well. And I wouldn't hold that against him, the fact that he looked so good early on because he was clearly injured. He's definitely one to keep an eye on. 126, I think he is as well. I'm thinking about potential future opponents. This could be a complete one-off. There's no one really on his record in the past to suggest uh, that, that he's going to the very, very top. But skill-wise and on the eye test, I thought Picasso looked brilliant. If he can stay fit, stay healthy, he's going to be one for the future. He's only 23 years of age as well. And as for Ruiz, I hope he gets another opportunity off the back of this because he more than played his part. Again, Robert, Roberto Diaz left Oscar de la Hoya and I thought, oh, they're going to struggle now with the matchmaking. But whoever stepped into his place is doing a good job because when it comes to well-matched entertaining fights for the prospects and for the champions, I think Oscar, not him because he's a you know washed-up cokehead these days, as sad as it is for me to admit that. But the way his team put the fights together on the undercards, now, I think he's really, really good. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I just generally in, enjoyed this card all in all. Um, let's see what what else do we have on there that uh, we saw? Oh, wrong one. Got so many tabs here. There's just cards out the out the yin yang here. Yeah, let's see here. So uh, went over Coyazo, Picasso. Uh, let's see here. Gabriel Fandora stopping Christina in the la Christina Cruz in the last round. For those who watched it, the the stoppage was a little bit uh, kind of debatable, I guess. And uh, Cruz was doing well. The scorecards were awful. I thought she probably had... Yeah, I heard that. Rounds. Wasn't it meant to be really close? But when I saw the cards, they were very, very wide. Yeah, well, and I thought that DeZone was giving her a little too much credit. I thought she probably had like three rounds in there and one of the judges had her there. But two of the judges, uh, well, one of them only gave her one round. Another one gave her, uh, gave her zero rounds. Um, but but I thought Cruz was doing really well. Uh, she had a, a fairly deep amateur background. She might have been forty one, but didn't look it. She had you know nowhere. Oh, she looks well, doesn't she? 
Yeah, Fundora just uh, in the later rounds just uh, took it to her, smacked her around pretty damn hard, and uh, uh, caught her with a good shot, and then was working her to the body, turning an angle, and Cruz had her back turned to her and just kept it that way. And I, I think we saw something another fight recently with that, and uh, the you know the ref had no choice but to call the stoppage in the tenth round. So another stoppage victory uh, for the towering Inferna. Uh, Gabriella Fandora, that's not her nickname. <laughs> poison. But, um, uh, so I, uh, but yeah, that was uh, a decent uh, women's fight. I, uh, I think people would enjoy that one. Gregory wrote, uh, Morales against Ronel Ron. That was a, uh, pretty little fun fight. Uh, Roan, uh, can take a hell of a shot. Another one of those guys that can, uh, just weather the storm pretty damn well. I think he did end up ultimately getting stopped if I recall, but, uh, it was a pretty fun fight. And then, uh, Darius Foljum going to uh, the distance for the first time in his career against Atlantis Fox. Uh, Fox, uh, kind of came out hard in the early rounds, uh, seemed to kind of, uh, lose his energy, but, he is uh, really an old school kind of fighter when it comes to getting the distance. He's got a lot of tricks up his sleeve. Uh, he won a few rounds, definitely not enough to win the fight. Uh, but I think that was a really good step up fight for Fulgham on that on that card because uh, Fox just um, yeah he's he's the right kind of style to test a guy and and to take you the distance. Uh, first time that uh, Fulgham has gone the distance in his career. And, and Des, I see you're uh, wanting to say in there, uh, a tricky fighter uh, the Fox can be. And uh, I, I like the way the Fulgham handled it at the end. And I think Fox took that four weeks' notice as well. So he was drafted in, and his style was to smother Darius. He just smothered him. And I don't think the crowd quite liked it because Darius probably wanted a bit of room to get his shots off because he's a puncher. Um, something in that... I think it was that fight. I think one judge had it 10 rounds to Darius Fulgham, and another judge had it 95-95. Am I mm. thinking about the fight fight? Yeah, yeah it was, are, yeah. they were all over the place. I, I thought I, yes. 90, I didn't think it could be either one of them. I thought it was a close no. but clear victory for Fulgham myself. But can you see how Fox is just a brilliant guy to bring in if you want to give someone rounds and you want to see what a prospect's made of? So, yeah. Uh, Darius done everything he's meant to do. He hung in there. He kept throwing. He put his punches together. Fox smothered him, kept pushing, kept working. But Fox isn't a puncher. He's tall for the weight. You know what you're going to get with Atlantis Fox. He's really good value for money. And if you've got a young prospect like Fulgham, who you think you've had 10, now when you to step it up a bit, Atlantis Fox is just that guy. And it kind of does shed a bit of... Shed a bit of light on how how well Liam Williams done because didn't Liam Williams stop Atlantis Fox a few years back? I think you might be correct. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, and Fox would have had more ambition. He would have been a lot fresher. So that was a that's a notable win for Liam Williams back then, isn't it? I think I think that might have been at a lower weight too. Those those Fox got kids. I mean, they just are they get down to weights that just seem seem inconceivable. Yeah. Michael as well. He's the yeah. same, isn't he? He's a wee string bean. Yeah, and he's about the same height as his brother, and he's fighting at welterweight. I think Atlantis started at 154, and that might have been where Williams met him, or it could have been 160. Um, but I, I, you look at him, he, he could be... He's 160, uh, Matty, yeah, 160. Yeah, I mean, uh, Fox, I mean, he could be a he could be a light heavyweight easily. And, he could, and yeah. I, I, 
and I, the way that he fights too, Des, I, I think that if he wants to pick up these paychecks and, and test these prospects, you know, pick up a few W's along the way too. He's fully capable. I, I think he doesn't take so much punishment that that's out of bounds for him. What well, you know, because he's really clever in that he let Fulgham close the distance, but once it was closed. Uh, he kept he let Fulgham stay smothered, and he would instead of staying on the ropes, walk back with Fulgham as he tried to give himself distance. Just really clever old school survivor stuff. Yeah, you nailed it. That's a, that's a great description. He's he's very wily. He's very slippery. He's very shrewd. He knows how to look after himself, and that that's something that like I noticed it with Mungia last night and Ryder. Now Ryder wasn't winning a fight, but he was never out of the fight. And I think after five rounds, Mongia took his pe- put, took his foot off the pedal a little bit. There was certainly moments in rounds where John was landing, and particularly with that lead right hook. Um, but when you look at the when you look at the two fighters at the end, Mongia hasn't got a mark on him. A sign of a good fighter is Nana to look after yourself in there. Fox is clearly a good fighter because he knows how to look after himself in there. But Fox, unfortunately, has probably worked out. If I start beating kids, the phone the phone will stop ringing. So he's kind of found himself in his position now, which a lot of fighters do. That I've got a half decent record, and if I keep giving prospects good tests, if I keep providing value for the for money, the phone will keep ringing. But he's not meant to win, is he? No, no. But it doesn't mean he won't in some cases, and that's the great thing about fighters like that. Um, so that was a uh, a pretty damn card, or a pretty damn good card from Golden Boy uh, from Arizona over the weekend. I thought it was great. Scored a few bucks off of that one. The ESPN bet offered thirteen to two on Ryder to be knocked down more than once in the fight. So I threw a fiver on that, scooped that up, and I also got uh, Fulgham over four and a half rounds along with uh, Ryder Munguia not to go the distance in a little parlay. So uh, scooped up uh, some wins to offset some of the losses for this guy over here. Um, Steve, uh, you had an even better weekend, though, because I hear that you uh, went out into the public and uh, you attended some fights. Did I hear this correctly? Uh, yeah, I did actually. I saw quite a few fights and none of them in the crowd, unlike the football today. So uh, they were all in the ring. It was a good atmosphere. I enjoyed it. I was there it's with nice. Dominic. It's nice that you've stopped starting fights in your older, in your later years. Good for you. Oh no, flip me. I couldn't start fights or finish them, to be honest with you, these days. So uh, I'm completely washed. But the, nobody in the ring was washed in Belfast on Saturday evening. Ulster Hall. We were out by quarter past ten as well, which was nice. Nice early finish, no messing about there. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fights on the card altogether. I'll go for the undercard very quickly. Um, Giorgio Vizioli, it's quite the name. He scored a nice knockout of Samuel Piquire. Really nice left hand, if anybody hasn't seen that. Uh, two walkers were on the fight, on, on the card rather. Uh, Kurt Walker getting a win over Darwin Martinez. Uh, Walker was an Olympian for Ireland back in the day. Not much of a puncher, though. He's a bit of a back foot boxer. I think he'll get found out when he goes up the levels. A Connor Walker, a bit of re- uh, Wolverhampton representation on the card, beat Lloyd Germain, who was undefeated coming in. Walker just broke him down to the body, really. Germain was a big specimen, uh, knocked him out in the third round, dropped him three times altogether. Germain just didn't want it. Uh, who else did we have? Uh, Siobhan Clark is 8-0. He beat Tommy McCarthy. Tommy's best days are behind him, really. We've had him on the pod before. He's a good lad, talented amateur. More than a few people thought he was going to be competitive, and I hear it just was not the case. It just doesn't click for him. Saw him go out to Poland recently. I think he fought for the European title or something, got knocked out in seven rounds. 
I just think an opportunity in Belfast came his way and he took it. He does a lot of things outside of the ring. He's, he's into stand-up and podcasting and all these other non-money-making endeavours. So I don't know what he's going to do with himself now, but he just maybe took that final payday. Talented guy in his prime, could put his shots together nicely, but just didn't seem to be in great shape. Got stopped in the fourth round. This Clark, I'm not sure how far he'll go either. He's a bit of a physical unit, but down the stretch, you think that someone who hits him to the body might catch up with him, but Tommy just wasn't that guy. Threw a few nice shots early on, especially with the right hand, but Clark just broke him down. Uh, Tommy ended up down in the fourth, and the referee stopped it shortly after. And then on to the main two fights. This is what we're all there for. They're talking about potential future fights between Paddy Donovan from Limerick and Lewis Crocker from Belfast. Crocker was the main event. Donovan looks really good. They're calling the real deal. Early on, he looked great. He was throwing shots from all angles. I've seen him fight a few times now in person. And he's really, really uh, exceptional fighter, talent-wise. He had a gut check here against this Herrera. Herrera looked like he was going to shell up early. He wasn't going to throw a lot, maybe go the distance. Then he started throwing a few body shots. And Donovan looked a bit uncomfortable in the fifth round. His nose had gone in the sixth round. It was starting to bleed. And Herrera was really fancying it. And all of a sudden, we were thinking at ringside, flip me, it's going to be tough for Donovan. He could be in deep here. And then he found a body shot, similar to Lyndon Arthur against that Brian Suarez. A body shot out the blue. And all of a sudden, Herrera was down. Down again shortly after with another body shot. And then stopped. I think, I like the bloodthirsty side of things. thought the referee, Bob Williams, probably could have let him go on. Uh, Herrera's corner was absolutely incensed. He tried to jump into the the ring and all, and the security got hold of him, but it all calmed down. Donovan got the job done. Andy Lee was pleased. Real gut check performances, the kind of performances we want to see these talented guys go through. So he got that done. And then later on in the evening, Crocker main event beat Jose Felix. Now, this was a bit of a contentious one because Crocker had weighed in three pounds over the weight limit, and Felix was really a lightweight, a light, a super lightweight at most. He was famous for or infamous for beating Gary Cully last May. So he, you know, he's a bit of a puncher, a bit of an upset artist. Crocker just, he was just too big for him. And it, there's a whole issue with the weight. Crocker explained himself afterwards. A lot of people aren't happy about it, etc. We know what it's like in boxing, man. It's a dirty sport, isn't it? He came in at 150. The board told him that he wasn't allowed to get any lower, whereas Felix still had to make 147. So it's almost like the guy making the weights punished. The title, he couldn't win the title, but it was some WBO thing anyway. Um, low blows in the third round. Felix got a point deducted. Boxed pretty well early on. Got a few body shots gone. Then he got hit with a body shot himself in the fourth round. He looked in agony. I thought, right, here we go. The fight's over. Somehow Felix managed to get up again. Uh, got into the fifth round. And then right in front of us, Crocker's known for his left hook. Caught Felix with a cracking sort of check left hook. Again, he nearly fell through the ropes in front of us. I thought, flip me, that's a knock the head off kind of shot. All of a sudden, Felix gets back up again. And I would have let him go on. Marcus McDonald called it off. I, I think he was in reasonable enough condition to, to go on with the fight. Crocker, he's he's growing on me. The weight thing, obviously, is a bit distasteful. But early on in his career, I wasn't too fussed on him. He was quite an abrasive, aggressive character. But he has a, he has a spite about him that I like. You know, he, he laughs at people. He's a bit flat-footed. He comes forward. He throws a lot of heavy shots. He believes in his power. The left hook really look is looking like at a certain level, it's the real deal. And him against Donovan, let's get that fight made. As Des was saying in the chat earlier today, Crocker was talking about, oh, you know, let's get into a stadium, make sure the numbers are right. Neither of them were really committing to the fight. And Connor Walker, who I mentioned earlier, might get thrown in against Donovan next. Crocker might fight somebody else. Either way, they've got to make that fight now. It's really maturing nicely. And if Crocker can hit Donovan to the body like Herrera did, 
could be very interesting. I would favour Donovan to win that fight, but Crocker, he's, he's going to be a tough bastard to get rid of, you know, especially if he's coming in overweight, but I don't think that will happen again. But yeah, I'm sorry, Matty, I've gone on for quite a while here, but um, I'm passionate about this subject. It was a decent card, actually, and the fact we got out early as well, man, bonus. Steve, the only thing that I saw of that fight was the last three, or that card was the last three rounds of uh, Crocker versus Felix. And the only real opinion I can have on that fight is it's really fucked up when the referee counts over you, you stand up, and he yeah. immediately waves it off when there's time, not even examining you. It's like yeah. he had already made up his mind. If you just wave it off when he's on the canvas, don't fucking wait till he stands well within the 10 count and then fucking wave it off without really getting a good glance. Him. And he appeared really to be fine. I'm not saying he would have won. I'm not, any, I'm not even saying he would have made it out of the round. But that was just ridiculous on the part of the referee. What the fuck? Yeah. Hamed says Steve Wellings making sure to cover Eddie's cards. Well, I was there, so yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I agree with you completely, Matty. I mean, I don't know why the referees do this. There's some ticks with referees at the moment that really I don't understand. Like, you know, the whole get count you to eight or nine, they get up, do this, they do it, do that, they do it, and they wave it off. Another one is the grabbing. I know I was, on, I was going in on Hugh Russell last night after the Pekire knockout against Vizioli. And Hugh Russell was grabbing Pekire, grabbing him constantly, trying to trying to wrestle and grapple with him. Now, I understand it's a safety issue. If a fighter's wobbling around like a drunk, then grab the holder, then put him down on the stool. But a lot of the times, this isn't the case. You know, you've got an angry guy who's just been stopped. You're grabbing hold of him, in his face, won't let him go. This is when, you know, fighters are going to lash out at referees. They're pumped up. They don't want you in your space. They're, they're angry. You know, he clearly wasn't hurt enough that he was going to fall out the ring. I just, there's a few wee things of referees that just, just annoy me. Yeah, that was uh, rather annoying in my opinion. Um, Des, uh, I know you didn't catch much of the card, but I know you had some thoughts on Crocker. Uh, um, I, I, I just, I don't know. I, I was kind of bugged by just the guy celebrating so hard on a weak stoppage when you come over in overweight, but you know, you know whatever excites you, I guess. Um, I went into this fight with an opinion. I come out with a different opinion. I didn't like him failing weight the way he did. I think three pounds over is a liberty, especially when you're bringing a kid up from lightweight, like welterweight. I think you've got an obligation to be professional, and I and I kind of expect better from Billy Nelson. Um, but it is what it is, and they've manipulated the system. That said, Crocker's everything I like in a fighter. He's aggressive. He's nasty. He looked to me like someone that can just have a fight as well as being a good boxer. And he throws punches with mean intentions. I like his inside work, his mid-range work, the hooks, the uppercuts. And I like the fact that he's prepared, albeit with a much smaller guy, to stand there and say, you hit me and I'll hit you back. I think, to reiterate what Steve said, and Steve was there, if we can get him and Donovan in the ring sooner rather than later let's not overcook this one let's not you know let's not look too far down the line let's try and get these two in the ring and i think there's something really big for irish boxing now i like i like crocker a lot well we'll see what's going up ahead it sounds like he's got some good fights in in uh, potentially in the works and he'll have an opportunity to prove himself on the uh, the bigger stage uh, so, uh, yeah, onwards and upwards, but hopefully slightly downwards on the scales for Lewis Crocker. Uh, let's see here. 
what else did we see? Oh, there was a card from Canada on uh, on Thursday night, which uh, Mr. Wellings reminded me of. Uh, surprise of the evening might have been uh, Albert Ramirez going the distance in uh, what a fight that was closer than the cards, say, with Arthur uh, Zolotinov. Uh, it's one judge not giving uh, Archer a single round and the other one's giving him one and two respectively. Uh, Eric Bazinian uh, taking uh, out uh, Billy Facundo Godoy, Argentinian, I believe, in three rounds. Uh, that was a bit of a mismatch, as was Steve Claggett against Marcos Gonzalez Barraza. But Claggett staying busy. I like it. Uh, and then I think the furthest I went down the card is I also saw Mary Spencer against Sonia Dryling. It's one of those fights where I wish I would have checked out the weigh-in because if I would have seen that Mary Spencer was fighting a midget, I think I would have taken her to stop <laughs> dryling early, which she absolutely did in what was uh, just a, a demolition job in which uh, dryling's corner was ever so merciful and saying, yeah, I, I don't think this is going to go our way. Uh, let's uh, let's pack it on up and head south to the States. Um, Steve, what were your thoughts on this card? Lots of thoughts. I'll try and be more concise this time, though, Matty. I did sit and watch the whole thing. Uh, Bazinian, yeah, you're quite right. A very ambitiously scheduled 10-rounder. Godoy, I don't know, he was complaining about cramp in his right leg after the first round. I don't quite know how he got cramped that quickly. But anyway, uh, Bazinian's right hand was just too much for him. Bazinian's had trouble in the past. I think it was Macias, another Argentine, gave him a little bit of trouble. But since then, he beat uh, Ronald Ellis. I'm going to say off the top of my head in his last fight, Godoy was a step down from him. He'll play a part at world level, Bazinian. I don't doubt that, but he'll be as a worthy challenger to someone else's story. He's not going to be uh, a world champion, I don't think. Ramirez, Andy's seen him in the past. He put me on to him. I think he's a Venezuelan against this Arta Ziadinov. They were both gym mates at one point, or they were in the same gym. Both came over to Canada to make their fortune. Highly decorated amateurs. Ramirez, he holds his hands quite low, enjoys his work, steps off. Early on, quite explosive, but if he doesn't get rid of you, he slows down, becomes a little bit predictable. And as you said, Ziat uh, Dinov came into the fight, very basic, up and down, not really very much apart from the jab, just sort of amateurish one-twos, but it was working for him because Ramirez had lost his explosivity. So once you get past those athletic gifts, someone decent will give Ramirez uh, trouble. Uh, Claggett, I like him. Seems to be a really enthusiastic guy. Bit of a John Ryder type, really. He's had a lot of losses, but he always gives a good account of himself. Keeps on plugging away. I have the Tiger have got him opponents. This Barraza just soaked up an absolute beating and just hitting him with constant shots. And he's in the top 10 of the, at 140 now, Claggett. So he will be uh, uh, plucked out maybe by a champion at some point, hopefully. And then onto the guys on the undercard. A few of these fought on the Baturbiev Smith undercard. So they definitely do like to keep them busy, especially if they're getting early knockouts. Why not? Jean Arobio, Colombian, can't speak a word of French or English, getting translated in the corner, battered his opponent. He's won every fight uh, by KO. Uh, Marino Fendero as well, a French guy, won his fight by second round KO. And Wilkins Mathieu, I'm uh, a bit high on him. I think he's good, 19 years of age. He also won his fight by KO. It was quite poorly matched. The guys who came over, Matty, didn't really offer much resistance, to be honest. And it was one of the weaker cards from Oya the Tiger but they're keeping them active, which I love to see. So long, mate, continue. You know, I, going back to an earlier conversation, Steve, I think I have the Tigers running out of options, uh, and they might be forced to put Bazinian in with him, Billy, just to have an, in, an in-house yeah, fight wonder, that matters. 
Yeah, that would be good. I would love them to see them do that because they're like twenty six and zero and twenty eight and zero, and both around the same period, uh, you know, point of their career. Very similar fighters. They're headlining rival cards. They're at the same weight. It makes a lot of sense, and they might be forced to do that, Matty. I think ideally they would have paired them off against champions by now. But the divisions, it's not just a problem at super middle. It's a problem all over boxing. Well, it's Guys Canelo sitting, has all the belt. Canelo has all the belts. I mean, someone on, on another podcast, I would credit them if I could remember, but I listened to that bloody many, was going on about the situation at super welterweight, light middle, 154 at the moment. It's just absolutely stagnant. There's guys like Charles Conwell's been sitting waiting for his chance for about 18 months now. That these These guys are mandatories, not necessarily in Conwell's case, and they just can't get a shot. And Billy, Bazinian are having to fight these kind of opposition because they can't get a shot. The belts are hostage. People are fighting once or twice a year. It's, it's just stagnating. How, well, I, I say, how many of these places where things are held up are things held up because of PBC fighters? Mm, yeah, well, I'm starting to come around that way. I mean, I'm a fan of Al Heyman, praise be his name, but it's starting to piss me off. The inactivity of the PBC is starting to seep out into boxing now like a poison like you know none of the other fighters can get opportunities because of pbc uh, so they're gonna have to get their shit together oh, and, the sanctioning bodies and, they're the ones who are gonna have to start saying look get on with it or we're gonna strip your ass not yeah. oh, you make us all this money they're not making money with the titles sitting fucking you know, just around mm. getting defended once maybe twice a year if they're lucky so yeah i mean they should be on stuff but we'll get to that further on yeah, the show yeah. Sorry, I, I definitely have something to be pissed off about um welcoming to the show dominic Dom, uh, let me uh, let me get real quick. Let me go to Andy for a moment. If Andy saw Ramirez or anything on that, I'll be your craps, Molly. <laughs> Andy, did you see Ramirez or anything on that yeah, Canadian I, card? I, okay, yeah, I, I seen seen all the Canadian card. To be fair, I, mean, I, I can't I really add much more to what Steve said. He's he's broken down pretty well. I agree with what he said about Ramirez. Looked explosive. Uh, early doors, looking at his Liet Dean off, he wasn't really doing much in terms of like what he was offering back. I did think at, you know, at some point he was going to get worn down, but he came into it, definitely stretched it down the back half, and uh, the scorecards are an absolute disgrace. You know, you look at those cards in literally three years' time, we'll probably forget about the fight, actually, and you'll think you'll look back to yourself, know, so, Christ, I, that was an easy win, and it really wasn't. Um, Zinian, just overpowered his guy. A game I mentioned him before. Like he, he needs a step up now as well. Claggett, yeah, that was okay. And or, again, Robio was just, I guess, a guy who was just basically fodder from. It was one of the worst cards I've seen from uh, either Tiger as well. As I agree with what Steve was saying in, in, in that regard, they need need a flagship fighter. They really badly need one. They need one who is on the cusp of world level. Um, they've got a couple of heavyweights, so they're going to do it. Claggett's okay, but I don't rate him, you know, to be a standout. Um, Robio is well off it uh, at this point. Ramirez has got a very, very tiny window, and it's if he does get over the line, it's going to be a it's going to be a short, short title run. I would, I would imagine. So they need they need someone, they need a flagship fighter, and they need dates, they need competitive fights and meaningful fights in that as well. You know, because I think like in Billy against the uh, Brazilian would, would be ideal. It would, it would definitely put asses in seats, but um, what happens after it, that's the other thing as well. So, it'll be interesting. Watch this space. Real quick, I just I don't know if you have this in front of you. Lamar Jackson just threw a pass that was tipped. 
he caught it himself and and ran for the first down. It was truly fucking. Go on, Lamar. Incredible. Love a bit of Lamar. Jackson, <laughs> anyway, that was uh, fucking incredible. Uh, guys, anyhow, it's, it's like playing the PlayStation. Huh, what man? sports, that? <laughs> uh, anyhow, Ricky Graville throwing five pounds in there. Uh, didn't say anything. Uh, he's a man of the good book, as we all know. Very few words, all acts. A man of Christ, truly. Anyhow, uh, Dom, we have talked about everything except for the Japanese card, so feel free to circle back to anything that you want to discuss that is not the Japanese card. Flip, yes, I've been get, you've been going on a good rate. That's only an hour. You've got everything covered. That's impressive. That's probably because I wasn't on, Molly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about efficiency, Dom. Um, well, have we touched on the have we, have we touched on the weight with Crocker and everything, all that sort of carry on? Yeah, yeah, but please, anything, anything from the, the from that card or well, the uh, McGee Rider, feel free to get your piece. I'll, I'll mention this here, Molly. I was saying this to Steve on our way home last night. Um, I got into the venue last night, a lovely seat, um, it's a very intimate venue, and uh, turned around to this guy on my left. He was on his own and uh, just struck up conversation with him, and I thought he was like he looked like sort of Spanish or Central American or something, and I sort of thought. I, I said, I wonder, is he here to support Felix? And I said, are you, are you from Mexico? Are you from Spain? And he says, no, I'm German. So apparently the fella, he was from Berlin. He had flown from Berlin to Dublin on his own and gone up from Dublin to Belfast just to watch this, the zone card in Belfast, this in a small <laughs> hall in Belfast. Um, and uh, and he, he was, and then he was, so we were talking about German, but in the golden age of German boxing, the, the, the Sardans and, all the other creatures and uh uh Andy will be happy to know he he wasn't a big fan of any of the doorman, but unfortunately he was a fan yeah. of, of <laughs> he was a he was a fan of, of Bellu unfortunately. Um True? Uh, of Bellu. Uh, I couldn't oh, I, right. I, initially I thought he said I thought he said he wasn't a fan of Bellu and I goes I says to him, No, me neither, I can't stand okay. And uh <laughs> And then he says, "No, actually, I, I, I'm a big fan of him." But um, <laughs> it was it was funny actually watching. Um, I was you know yards away from where Bellu was. Phone the immigration after he said that comment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not too late. Yeah. No. Um, but uh, I I was funny just watching these folk uh, coming up to Bellu, and a lot of them are. You know, a lot of them were young, young kids, like teenagers or whatever, and uh, you know they're they probably see him on doing his interviews and his videos online, or whatever, and the, this sort of like his 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 personality, or whatever. But um, I I was just it was just funny watching it, like you know, well it wasn't it was it was grown men as well as I said in the chat. It was it was grown men approaching me, them, but not <laughs> not you, Stephen, not you, but uh, anyway, well yes, on Crocker. Um, I would like to see the fight with the with the guy Donovan next. Um, Petty Rob's not on actually to, to see if he if he saw that if he saw the fight to see if he had anything to say on Donovan. But um, yeah, I was listening to a few interviews earlier this afternoon with Crocker and Billy Nelson, and um, both of them were saying that the fight was never made at one four seven. That um, you know when the fight was made about four weeks ago. Crocker said that he told Matchroom that I won't be able to make that weight. But then he, Crocker said, they said to him, well, can you make 152? And then it changed to 150. And he said at each stage he made those things and that, 
you know, he, he agreed to rehydration stipulations and all the rest of it. But if that's the case, I would have expected Matchroom to publicise that. I mean, fans were left in the dark. I was just thinking about this earlier, Steve and Matty um, and Andy and Des, and I was thinking, do we as fans, do we not have a right to know, you know, you know what, what the situation is with regard no. to... No, you sit, you pay your money, mate. You sit down and shut your mouth, and you get what you get given, right? You, you just you just hand over your money, yeah. and you're just you just, just, just a mouth breather, mate. You just hand you're over just your the, money. You're just the builder or a plasterer. Yeah, exactly. You know, what's what to do with you? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. mate. You, you know, Frank Smith told you where to go, mate. You know your place. Know your role. Shut your mouth. It's always, it's always, it's always, um, it's always salutary and and. Uh, uh, noteworthy to be reminded of that comment from Spotty Frank. Exactly. I'm sort of ashamed to say that I'd forgotten all about it, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, I would like to see the the. Um, me and Steve were both in agreement. We thought you know they should make that that Donovan fight next, but as I say, the interviews both guys during the week uh, before the fight were both of the same theme that they were. Neither of them was saying that they didn't want the fight, but. They were both saying they would rather it down the line, and um, to me, the problem is nowadays everyone has to be a star. No one's allowed to fail at this level, and that's why the sport is in the state that it is. You know, everyone has seems like there's this perception that guys that are operating at this sort of domestic level have a right to become superstars, um, and the, that's why the we're not getting the fights that we should get. So. It'll be a very intriguing fight. It, it probably wouldn't sell. It probably would struggle to sell out the Odyssey, but um, yeah, it's. Uh, would it ever sell out the Odyssey? I don't know. I'd just like to see the fight. Um, again, one thing about Crocker, you know, people talk about his power, but that guy, I'm sure you've touched on it. He's been at lightweight most of his career, um, and it's it's one thing putting down guys like that, but it's. That doesn't mean that it, it's it's doing that the guys who are big, big at your own weight, um, and that's what we'll have to see. But um, yeah, it's, uh, I would just hope to see the fight. On, oh, I just finished watching the Raider fight before, before it came on there. But um, I must say, I was just I was just looking at at the likes of Oscar. I don't know if he's have touched on it. I was looking at Oscar and Hopkins at ringside and the way they were carrying on near the end of the fight. I thought the end of the fight was just completely bizarre, by the way. Did he just touch on that? Just how, you know, the the, the referee didn't seem to see what was going oh, no, on. no, no. Yeah, that's right. Go ahead. Because it, well, they had to ring the bell in the end, which I've never seen that before. Well, they had to ring the bell because Tony Sim, the, the zone commentary were saying that... No, we, Tony, yeah, we touched on it. Similar, similar to Dominic Ingle in the Brooke Golovkin fight, waving the towel in the air. They don't... It's almost as if they're... That they think it's beneath them to actually throw the towel, but how 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 the ref's got his back usually has his back. Does how's the ref going to see? But um, so yeah, eventually they had to flip and ring the bell to to stop it. But um, yeah, I was impressed by um, I was impressed by Mongia, but again, I think they've they've matched them very, they've generally matched them very cautiously. You know, they would have looked at Ryder after the Canelo fight, and they would have calculated that he's probably uh you know left a bit of a good chunk of himself in the ring that night against Canelo. He's he's had a long hard career. Um and you know there, there were you know the uh, when the when the fight when the fight was waved off uh, the, those two commentators on the zone who are really more on the other guy who are, are really fine 
really underwhelmed, really bad commentators. They were sort of saying, Canelo, are you watching? Um, but they weren't mentioning David Benavidez, which I thought was um, important. You know, I think I think Benavidez would be too much for Mangia, but I think the fact that they should try to make is Berlanga. If Berlanga beats um, Paddy McCrory, I think they'll try to make that fight. Um, and I would I would make Mangia a, a, a good favourite in that fight. Um, so I think that's the the route that they'll, they'll go down. Um, yeah, that, that's all I have to say, Molly. Oh, yeah, that's kind of where Steve and I ended up. That's that's the fight that we saw as the the had the most uh, was the most easy to be made and and uh, could make money. Obviously, Puerto Rican Mexican rivalry, good style mash, um, and obviously, you know, with Berlanga, you never know what's going to happen. He might bite somebody or flip out in the ring. It, it just I don't know. It, it's it's must see television though. That's what I that's what I know. I'm I'm all in for for Munguia against Berlanga. Unfortunately, they'll probably make a pay-per-view, the sons of bitches. It'll just be interesting because, you know, we've seen Berlanga punching to a certain level of opposition and we saw Munguia troubled by Dervianchenko, but Dervianchenko was a middleweight. So, will Berlanga, just a question, will he have? Will he be able to put a dent in Munguia? Because if he can't put a dent in him, if he can't uh, trouble him with his power, I think he, he would get stopped, I think. Um, he seems a bit of flat track bully, but that's what I have to say on him. I I think that Berlanga is that they're both too easy to be hit, but I I think that Berlanga brings less of an arsenal to the to the table personally. Munguia has good punch out, has just has you know good selection of punches. Uh, his, his output is is just right. He doesn't doesn't seem to overexert himself, and I think Roach is a good combination for him. Yeah, um, so. Definitely. I think the, the last thing I'll say, Molly, just on John Ryder, um, when I was watching the fight there about an hour ago, I, I just thought to myself, just thinking on John Ryder's career, you know, he tends to, when he's having success in a fight, it's generally when he's on a, on an opponent's chest and working from there. And I think his problem throughout his career has been a difficulty in, in launching effective attacks from mid and from mid range and beyond, I think he seems his attack seems to be quite restricted unless he's on an opponent's chest working away. I think that uh, in the early going of that fight last night, I thought that was evident that he he was unable to to get much sort of going off the job any attack at at, at any sort of range. I think that's sort of been an Achilles heel for him at a certain level. Um, you know when he's fighting the likes of Billy Joe or guys like that, but um. You know, we saw against Colm Smith. Colm Smith didn't have the sort of uh, the job or the ability to fight long to stop Ryder getting on his chest. And hence, Ryder had success in that fight. But I think that's been a problem for him. But, um, you know, far be it for me to tell any fighter to, to call it a day. But I think you got that sense that he might, might have been the last we see him in the ring last night. Oh, definitely. I I think that was not necessarily explicit, but I I think it was pretty implied that he that he was going to keep rocking and rolling if he beat Munguia and, and call it a day. Otherwise, but uh, we'll see what he officially announces. You know, you kind of got to swallow that, see what they might throw at you. You know, um, you, you don't want to turn down a really good payday because I still think he's got something left. I I don't know that he's holding his pu- punch as well as he used to, but Munguia hit him very cleanly. So, but anyways. Gonna jump on over to Japan. It was Tuesday morning at three o'clock for me, or four. I don't know, some freaking ridiculous early time. 
and uh, started uh, started my viewing with uh, Artem Dalakayan taking on uh, Sego Akui. And I scored the fight somewhere around 116 to 112 for Dalakayan. I thought it was close, but I thought he nicked it. The judges disagreed with me. One judge scoring it the reverse that I did. One scoring at 117-111. And the other scoring at 119-119 or 119-109 for Akui. Andy, did I miss something? Or is this one of the most bizarre decisions that we've seen in recent memory? Well, again, it's another week, mate. We're talking about the judges and, you know, the decisions. But we forget that that card actually had a potential fight of the year candidate on it as well. But And I thought, Jen- I, yeah, I thought that it was, and we'll bookend, obviously, but I thought, Andy, that it was a very good boxing lesson from Dalakayan through eight rounds where he might have lost one, maybe two rounds to the bunch in there. Um, I well, don't know. I, th- I think it's his approach at the end of the day. I think the, the, the manner how he fights, he sticks and moves. There's a lot of it as a counter puncher. There's a lot of moving. You know, he fights off the ropes if he has to. I think uh, Akui, he's just, you know, he's come forward approach. He's clearly catching that, that judge's eye. Um, every, you go to really slow it down to kind of catch what Dalakayan is landing, and it's not really having like so an instant effect on, on, on the opponent and that. But he was frustrating him with all the movement. Akui is just obviously just trying to cut him off and just try to cut the ring off. And I think probably doing like the last three rounds, I did think he was starting to you know, tie him down a little bit more. But I agree with you. I thought Dalakayan won the fight. You go to can sometimes appreciate sometimes he's, what these counter fighters can do. But clearly that judge just wasn't having it. 119-109 is just an absolute disgrace. Jer- Jeremy Hayes, I think his name is. I was going through his, his record briefly before we started. I haven't found anything suspect so far, but. But let the listeners know that that guy, I mean, we were talking about creating like a rogues gallery. That guy deserves to be on the list along with like, Max, Massimo Balavecchio, who I seen was refereeing again the there last night, Steve. Um, yeah. Who else we got? Look at look at this guy. For the people that are on yeah, uh, look YouTube, look, look at him. Just, it is like one of the most uh, disconcerting pictures I've seen of a boxing judge ever in my life. He, he looks like it's a, a terrible pick for like a dating app. He, he looks like the kind of guy who would jerk off in the corner while somebody else fucks his girlfriend if he could get one. He just looks sleek and sleazy, doesn't he, mate? Not to cut that an email or two. <laughs> Stick out your CV. Uh, but no, he's, uh, he's... And the other thing as well, mate, I mean, even the other cards, uh, who was the one? The one Louis Pabon, 117-111. What's he watching? Clearly another one, another, you know, 116-112, Real Kai Senior, who is an experienced official, by the way. He's done many world title Very. fights. Loads of world title fights. So, unless he just favoured the aggressor and just, just, just basically disregarded what Dalakai was doing, that's all it is. Either that or it's corruption. That's all it is because, uh, like you, I think Dalakai a few points, but... 119-109 is just it's just it's just outrageous, man. That is the type of decision that needs to be called it publicly, and the judge called into question and made to answer his decisions on those rounds. It's just it's just outrageous. Well, what what doesn't make sense to me, Andy, is that it none it wasn't even like it was a, a close split decision, a majority decision. No, like nobody even UD. had Dalakayan close to sniffing it. It it was ridiculous. 
Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if, if Dom or if you or Steve saw this fight, but uh, but I'm still just baffled going back and looking at that decision. It made no sense. I haven't seen it, Matty, yet. I'm planning to, but Steve's away. I think he's on the slash there. Yeah. You know, score it if you can. When you watch it, uh, I don't know about... Oh, looks like Steve went to the restroom. I, I, I don't know... Um, if you, uh, any of you guys in the chat had a chance to, to watch that, but if anybody did see it and you happen to score it the other way, please let us know. Like a one fifteen to one thirteen would have entirely shocked me. I think there was a couple of swingy rounds in there, but one nineteen to one Oh nine, one round to the guy that I think I scored six of the first eight to some of that. It, it just absolutely absurd. Um, yeah, it's I, absolutely I, outrageous. Like it's, the, it's, a, it's just a disgraceful scorecard. Three yeah. of them, actually you think about it. I mean, think about it. I mean, is there any way, shape, or possible that you could actually have a Kui winning that fight? I mean, clearly it's going to be doing to the fact that the the pace that he set compared to how little or often Dalai Kaim was landing his shots, or they were clearly where they were stationed at ringside to to, to score that fight. They clearly, clearly, when they seen. The shots that that, that Dalai Kain was throwing, and I've said this before that sometimes when you're at ringside, you see a completely different fight as to how you see it on the TV. Maybe it was one of those situations. I don't know, but <laughs> you can't be that bad to say, "As look, listen, I'm ringside and I'm watching that fight, and I've got the I've got the you know the other guy winning one nineteen. It's just uh, come on." Yeah, uh, Steve. Any thoughts on Dalai Kain versus Akui before we move on? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I would. I heard different things about it. Yeah, Mr. D- I see Mr. Dermo's comment there, and to be honest with you, I went back and, and watched a couple of the rounds on normal speed, and Dalakoyan was landing good shots, but then, and I thought to myself, yeah, this is this is terrible. And then for the next minute and a half, I saw the other fellow. I can't even. Remember, it was a Kui, was it or something coming forward? And then he would land a couple of pretty heavy shots, and I thought to myself, I don't know, man. Maybe maybe it's just me. So. I'm not sure it was the outrage, but yeah, they they, they were desperate to get the Dalakoy, the belt off Dalakoyan, weren't they? And that guy isn't going to be long for it. I don't think he's no great shakes old Sago, but yeah, the, I think it was the, the nature of the scorecards, the 119, 109, 117, 111, but I think it probably was a little bit closer. Dalakoyan was landing a couple of decent shots and then running, and the other fellas' shots were a little bit harder. So maybe that's how they came to that conclusion, but... I don't know. He's been sort of on a tightrope, hasn't he, for a while, Dalakayan, since he came out of Ukraine. The Japanese were desperate for his belts, and then he had that fight with Jimenez and all, and yeah, I'm not I, really missing. I thought Jimenez had a better shout at beating him. Yeah, uh, that was a closer fight, did. actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, but anyhow, um, another very close fight, uh, and what uh, kind of surprised people, another early candidate for fight of the year, potentially? Well, Kenshiro Taraji needed all 12 rounds in the scorecards to beat Carlos Canzales, or excuse me, Canizales. My apologies, uh, in a majority decision. Uh, one even card, uh, two, uh, 114, 112. Where are those extra two points, ladies and gentlemen? Well, they were deposited on the canvas with uh, Canizales hitting the, the canvas in round two and Taraji hitting it in round three. Uh, some really great action in between both guys landing big shots. Um, 
I was just absolutely impressed with what Tan Nazales was able to absorb at times. A lot of these rounds uh, were uh, split uh, one half one way, the other half the other. Uh, and I think obviously Canizales had a shout to win it. Uh, Taraji, you having to just get behind the jab the last two rounds to, to find his way through it, uh, might have injured his right hand in that one. But, uh, my, my word, uh, Andy, this, this was a hell of a fight. Yeah, it was, mate. And uh, I don't know if it will get a fight of the year, especially with this early doors and that as well, or if it will be remembered and because the, the weight division it was in. But either ways, it was, it was a great fight, guys. Ali's. Came out quick, strong dude. Like I mean, bloody hell, he put on a, a heavy, heavy kind of heavy speed in that fight and catched him with jabs, forced him to adjust really in that as well. And obviously, you mentioned he, he got knocked down. That was a big shot he took actually, and you could literally see the reaction to him. It instantly got the equilibrium off, and obviously he's trying to grab him around at the waist, try to do the UFC takedown or whatever it was. And then obviously Traji's got probably a wee bit overconfident. I think it was a, was it a left hook. Dropped him, stunned him, eh, whatever it was, but it was it was it was good action. It was two way for a eh, you know action. One guy would have a go, the other guy would come back with something else. It was blustery shots, close quarter action, left hooks here, uppercuts there, right hands over the top, counter on that shot. It was it was great action. It really was. It was a set at a great pace, and. Um, I did see a couple of guys complaining about the scorecards in this fight as well, because they think that maybe Canazales down the, the last two rounds possibly maybe eat them out, and that would have been enough for him to win the fight. So um, they think maybe a wee bit of cooking. Well, there was open scoring, so that we knew that uh, there was an even card after eight rounds, and that Taraji was up two points on uh, the other two cards. So if you split the rounds between them, you get those 114, 112s, um, and also the even ones. So I think all the judges split those rounds between them. Yeah. Um, and I could see the last four being split evenly. I thought that Canizales probably won the, probably won the last round um, because, uh, because Tarashi wasn't as effective with his jab in that one. But I really thought he did an exceptional job of getting behind his jab yeah. and, and just working around the ring in the 11th round. And, well, that was the thing. There was, there was talk that Ken Shiro had potentially hurt his hand. Yeah, it was his right hand in the last three rounds. So that's why he probably never used it as much. That's why he was maybe moving about as much. I caught that after the fight, actually. But um, so what I mentioned, Canazales, I mean, I know he's, I forget what age he is. He must be well up there at the edge now. But, but that, 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 he gave everything. He gave absolutely everything. You could see him. He was he was dragging in the air. He, he still kept, still kept going. But the last four, I just maybe just wasn't dominant enough. I probably say where he just could guarantee himself with like the all four rounds. He absolutely needed them. Maybe just wasn't dominant enough. I don't know. But it was. He, he kind of fought both, both guys. A blustering pace, and you wouldn't be surprised if Ken Shiro's hurt his hand in that fight, especially that right hand. Because if he, as I say, when he caught with that right hand in the second round, he he visibly sh- shifted Kara's alleys right down to the point. Whereas the reaction was just like you know five six seconds before he actually went down. Um, so yeah, great fight. And uh, if they kind of get a future unification, get a rematch made because that was that was sensational stuff. You know, I, I kind of get this, the hunch, Andy, that part of the reason why Akui got that uh, win was so they could set up Taraji against Akui for the 112 belt. Was that a game, mate? So the 112 belt put? Because Akui now has the 112 pound belt. So I uh-huh. think they, that they kind of slipped that uh, him the win there. So to have Taraji versus him at 112. 
hunch I got. We'll see. Mm, I don't know, mate. I mean, I think because um, he he wants Bamba. We know that, but I yeah, but I'm, gonna... I, I'm I'm also going to say because Taraji was uh, was meant to fight Gonzalez, wasn't he? The WBO champ. And he yeah, and then, and he got injured, and Olasquega came out on late notice, and that was a fun fight too. Uh, Olasquega yeah. is going to be a good fighter too. It's never materialized, but somehow, so I think Canelo's Alice must be in WBO mandatory. Then I take it, so you must have to get some of those over the line. But yeah, a couple of fights here, I mate. Mean, I just don't think um, there's there's much there's much you know really from if he goes up to the flyweight, sorry, right? I mean. What's he going to do after that? I mean, the call's going to come to fight Jesse Rodriguez next, isn't it? Maybe. I don't, think they would do it. I don't think they would do it, mate, at this point. Well, yeah, we'll see. Um, we'll see what's coming up next. But, man, Taraji definitely makes for good action. Dom, your thoughts on this fight? Dom's not interested in this, Matty, all jumping. Um Go for it. What is it? The Japanese card, Dom, all jump in, don't we? Oh, go ahead, go on. Yeah, Ken Shiro, he's, he's here for a good time, not a long time, isn't he? He's, he's face first, takes a lot of shots. He's not going to be in good shape in the next 15, 20 years if he doesn't tighten up his defence. But that's all for all the better for us watching at home. I mean, he's the sort of third wheel of the generation. You know, you've got Inoue, Ioka, Taraji. He's... He's just a bit too open for me, but that makes for great fights. 32 as well, trying to make 108. He's, he's unified champion. He's done brilliant. He's come back from that loss and he's gone, I think, 12 defences altogether, including those both runs. As you mentioned, Matty, the Olasquega fight, I remember that being a fun one. Laid a bit of a beating on Budler. And this one, I thought Canazales probably just about nicked it. Whenever Taraji knocked him down early, I thought, right, it's going to be over pretty quickly, this. And then Canazales came back. Got dropped him, and then I thought Canazales won the last two rounds. And the fact they give it to Taraji uh, Kenjiro to sort of swing the boat was a bit of a it was a bit of a dodgy one. That Jeremy Hayes had it even. The Korean guy had it two points to Kenjiro, and then Omar Minton Senior. He's been around the scene for a long time. Had it two points as well. But yeah, make the rematch. I think uh, as for the undercard, I've spoken about Delakian. I just want to give a quick shout out as well to uh, Tenshin. Nasakawa, who we mentioned last week, I thought this guy was a bit of a joke. Fought Floyd in the exhibition, came over from UFC or MMA or one of those. And I thought, oh, he's a bit of a novelty act. Went in against this Robles Pacheco, who's never been stopped before. Yeah, he chucked I thought, thought Nasakawa, from a technical standpoint, I thought he looked pretty good. I mean, the jab yeah. was working. He was very fast. He was landing good shots from all angles. I yep. thought as a technical boxer, he looked excellent, really, from the, the low expectations I had of him, Andy. Well, I, I mentioned it last week, mate. He's taking it seriously. I mean, obviously, he's, he was a... I think it was K1 he was involved in. I was looking back. Mm. I'm sure it was K1 boxing, so he's got a bit of ground in that. But yeah, you're right. He's working on the footwork. Certainly, the combination punches looking very crisp at this point in that as well. So, watch his space. It'll be interesting to see if they maybe try and get him into regional title fights within the next three or four fights, because that's generally the route those guys generally take. I would imagine they'll try, because if you look at the if you look at the records of these last two fighters, I'm sure he's faced, I think they've, they've been coming in off, like, say, a few wins, so there's not been losing records they've been coming in, you know, so... Um, but I did think that guy kind of chucked it. He was kind of like, you know, I think he was shouting to the crowd at that point. And that, hey, <laughs> hey, this this guy's kind of swallowed it a little bit here, blaming his ankle, whatever it was, and that. So, no. but uh, yeah, I'm interested to see how far he goes. But um, yeah, watch his space. 
All right. Join us. Uh, also, Rob Kelly. Rob, did you catch any of the uh, Japanese card? If not, I'll catch up with you in a couple. Oh, he didn't catch the fucking Japanese card. Fuck. No. Who was on it? Kenshiro Taraji. Oh, no, I didn't, unfortunately. Oh, um, come back to me. I will. So, all right, Dom. So, why don't you go ahead and tell Rob about the fight of the year candidate he missed? Which fight was this? Which fight was this? <laughs> Taraji versus Kanazalas. I tried to save him once and you've gone back in on him again. He hasn't seen it yet. <laughs> Me and, Rob, me and Rob are in the same boat. I tell you what, I thought I was going to, I I was going to cash your status, <laughs> by the way. But Rob and Dominic have just, just elevated me a little bit higher to kind of like hardcore again. Hardcore casual, that's what oh, I mean. I'm, I'm, I'm a complete, I'm flipping, I'm lost. I'm long since, long since after the domain of, of casual status. Like. Hey to Dave. Ay, ay, ay. I'm hardcore, but I don't know what it is. I'm hardcore, it's, it's, you know that way. Nineties, <laughs> French porn, Roberto. I don't even know why we do this someday, Steve. I, I don't even know. It's not us; it's the sports. Wait, the fucking His Excellency gets <laughs> rolling. Maybe fucking we'll be back. That's what I'm saying, mate. We need, we need to. Well, obviously, it was, well, it'll be almost four weeks now till we get music against Fury. Is it four uh, weeks? We've got Stockholm syndrome now. That's the problem. There's no way. Yeah. I was just thinking, Steve, when Rob mentioned HE, you know, we we'll probably won't get to see Crocker Donovan unless HE steps in, will we? Oh, that's true. We're missing miss Uncle Dan, though. We are, eh? Aye. Uh, yeah. What, 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 what do you think? What do you think, Rob? Crocker, Crocker Donovan and in, Saudi. What about that? Oh, Crocker shit. I think it'll be the great. I think if we're covering it over there, it's going to be one of the best fights of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Highly right. anticipated. Has actually to get us involved, like you know. trying to say, we're trying to fucking use all our connections that we don't have any of. We're the last people he's excellent and he needs, Rob. Well, <laughs> that well, he no- yeah. We're the people that he doesn't know he needs, Steve. Well. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll wrap this up here real quick, and then we'll get uh, get back to Rob here. But yeah, that was a, definitely a fight of the year candidate between Kenshiro Taraji and uh, Carlos Canasales. Uh, absolute blistering action throughout the fight. Uh, ebbs and flows, both men touching the canvas. Uh, some really good rounds in the middle there. I think seven and eight might have just been bangers. I'm trying to uh, recall exactly. But uh, that one, uh, got to have to write that one down and review it because, I don't know, my opinion at this point in time, I think that one might have overtaken Sanchez Maloney. Uh, but we have been blessed these last couple of weeks with some exceptional fights. Uh, so, Rob, why don't you tell us about the less interesting fights that you watched this week? Um, yeah, uh, bad week for friends of the pod, Tommy McCarthy and John Ryder getting stopped. Um, kind of expectable to be honest with you, Tommy. Look, like he was be brought in as an opponent. I'd say that's probably his last fight. I'd say I don't know if he's announced it yet, maybe it's not. Like, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he hangs him up. The Crocker fight, I'm sure you covered that. Like, it was a good knockout, and that, but he was how many pounds heavier? It was big, big lad against the guy. Was that a replacement fight? It was a replacement opponent, rather. The lad no. from Sinaloa. No, I don't think no, so. No, no, it was there was always going to be him, Rob. But the, the, the do you know do you know what happened with the weight? No. What he well, Crocker came out in an interview today and said that it was never. He told them a month ago when the fight was made that he would never be able to make 147, and they said, uh, "Matrim, this is you know 152," and then he said, "Yes, and then it changed to 150." 
uh, and ah, then right, okay. so it was one of those but bottom line public were never we were never we were never made aware of saying, it saying that like is he does this does he operate at 147 always or is he yep yep yeah i don't know maybe he looks bigger the weight. like i don't know like world level at 47 is kind of open at the moment where crawford going north does he fucking beat a boots in us? That kind of guy? Or a guy no, that he, no, he, no like... he's, he's a long way. Listen, I, I'm a fan of him, but I have to be honest, he's he's a long way from... He's, Billy Nelson was talking about getting him into a status of fighting for an eliminator at the end of the year. But to me, like you haven't even... What 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 happened to the old tried and tested method of proving yourself you know, above everything That's it, the fucking... That's it, the way that that works. To make, he needs to make weight first, though, before he can prove anything yeah. else. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 looks big boy, yeah, he, he looks a big boy. He looks like he could go go to fifty four. But listen, I don't know too much about. I know he's highly touted or whatever over here. I don't know too much about him. I watched him last night. He looked okay. The fellow from Sinaloa was smiling beforehand. That's always an ominous sign. I'm looking at these Mexican lads when they come over laughing. It generally doesn't end up well for the fucking home fighter. Like, but um, big shot. I thought the ref kind of was a bit. Uh, Mag- magnanimous uh, to him in the first knockdown. I thought he could have stopped it. It looked like he didn't want to beat the count at all. Like, um, and then the, the punch to finish it was a, a clinical shot. But it is what it is. He moves on. I wait, I wait and see how he develops. Um, Donovan with a good win last night as well, and a good statement. I think he he looks he looks he looks the real deal. I like him. That's his nickname, isn't it? Um, but yeah, he looks the real deal. Good shot selection, always good bit of power. Um, like to see him testing now as he goes on. But a good statement from him. And then over in Arizona, um, I kind of expected that for John Ryder, to be honest with you. I thought maybe took a bit of a shelling in the Canelo fight, although he's a hard bastard. Like, and he's not going to, you know, he's up and down. Like, every time he got dropped, he was right back up. He was hanging in there. He was trying to do, but he just couldn't do nothing with Mungia. Too big, too strong. Dave Lee made a good point in our chat. Mungia, I thought, look, like, I know he gets a lot of kind of um, detractors from me, basically. <laughs> I've been a Mungia detractor a lot, a lot of the time because. There's a lot of hype about him. He's kind of a WBC golden boy. He's had the nod in a couple of dodgy decisions, but he's had fucking 42 fights as well. Another kind of teenage fella who's come through from Mexico, active all the time, fought, 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 fought. So I kind of expected him. I don't know what the size and everything. I kind of expected him to stop Ryder last night. And I'd say that's probably the end for John Ryder, unless he has a homecoming fight in London or something where he wants to say goodbye. But he's made his money now, hasn't he? Like, And he kind of... The sad thing about Ryder is that he never picked up a trinket. I think there's lesser fighters from Britain, even in his division, who've gone on to be world champion. It's just the way the cookie crumbles. Sometimes it just doesn't work like that for you. But what I like about Ryder is we spoke about it all the time. He always gave us time on the pod. And um, when the odds were against him, he, he upset the avocado more than once like, and earned his shot at big money payday. So go for him. Bad that he goes out like that. I thought the the decision from the corner to pull him out was right. You don't have to have him get in the shell for another three rounds. He wasn't in the fight. So um, I'd like to see um, Munguia fight Berlanga and Benavides fight Canelo and then the winners come together. I don't want to see um, Benavides fight anybody else apart from Canelo. If he does have to fight anybody else apart from Canelo, why not Munguia? But I'd like to see Munguia Baranga and Canelo Benavides next and then have the outright king of the 68-pounders. Well, from, from your mouth to God's ears, Rob. So that was the week of boxing interview, and, and what a week. Here we are, almost two hours in. I'd like to thank people in the chat. Mr. Dear Mohammed, Michael Thompson, M. Lithgow. Uh, let's uh, let's see here. Abdul Rahim, 
Daniel, Ford, Lothar, Johnny, Nang, MB in there. Let's see. Mark Stanton. And let's go with uh, John Trounson. All right. Thank you uh, very much to you and anybody I missed. I do apologize. Uh, just got to keep moving along here. Steve said there's a couple of comments in here as well. Da, 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 da. Thomas Smith said, Hearn had a good night. Everyone did what they were supposed to do. Particularly nice to see Chef Clark step up, though I had no interest in watching Crocker bully an underweight opponent, then celebrate like he won an F1 Grand Prix in Monaco. Found myself rooting for Felix, to be honest. Uh, as far as Ryder, uh, Matt Christie said before the fight that Canelo in his hometown had really brought out the gorilla in him, but Munguia might be harder to get up for. It certainly looked the case as Ryder only really had successes when Munguia took time off. He didn't box badly. Ryder did what Ryder does, but he looked doomed from first round. Munguia ate everything that landed flush, hit harder and faster, and was consistently bouncing. It must have been dispiriting when to survive. You had to really push him back, but getting close to him was nigh on impossible. Would like to see Munguia versus Benavidez next, then the winner fight Canelo. Thanks for that, Thomas. Marcus Ballinger. Hey, lads. Hope all is well. Just a few fighters to look out for in the pro and amateur ranks. Featherweight Kenji Fujita moved to 6 no, yet six no yesterday, capturing his first title and his real classy operator. Expect him and uh, Hayato Tsutsumi to be in the featherweight makes in the near future, and Japanese champion Kaisuke Matsumoto has progressed nicely so far. In the amateur code, uh, GBS uh, Super Heavyweight Delicious One will, will, I'm sure, receive a lot of attention. In a loaded light heavyweight division, Callum Peters looks to be the next talent from Australia, and Jamal Harvey and Abdumalik Kalakov could be a classic final matchup at featherweight in Paris. Uh, last but not least, just for Maddie and Chicks with Dig, if she wins Olympic gold, Nikat Zarin will be an absolute superstar. Oh, thanks. Right on. Uh, keep up the good work. Cheers, Marcus. Right on. Thank you for those guys. Do appreciate mm -hmm. that very much. Uh, he wrote that himself, hasn't he, Maddie? That's about Chicks with Digs. He wrote that part himself. <laughs> <laughs> telling you rob we're gonna be global gonna be global <laughs> who run the world wbo global title <laughs> uh, i don't know rob who does run the world listen that's another podcast no, so it's, it's, well, it's, it's a quite week Nah, there's a few things going on here let's see here on yeah, wednesday actually on, on Wednesday, we're going to have a, uh, a, a pro box card going to be headlined by Angelo Leo against Mike Planny. A nice fight there. Uh, Romero Duno, 26-3, uh, taking on Antonio Moran, 29-6-1. Uh, Christopher Pearson, 17-3-1, uh, taking on the undefeated 27-0 Trevor McCombie. Mm. Interesting That's box card, card to though. look at if you check yeah. that out. Good card. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely a decent card from Pro Box this Wednesday. Looking forward to that one 100%. Uh, let's see here. Uh, then we're going to have a card on Friday. From Orlando, still in Florida, Ashton Silva taking on Estevan Falco. Orestes Velasquez taking on Julian Smith. Uh, Going to have Marciela Canejo taking on Candy Wyatt. Look at that. Coming stateside. Uh, Going to have one of the LeBrons, Luis LeBron, taking on Ju uh, Giovanni Gutierrez. And uh, I don't know if this one's going to be on there, but we have an undefeated fight between uh, Benigno Aguilar and Corey Marksman. Could be a nice little six-rounder on there. Uh, Ashton Silve 
obviously the one to work out, look out for there. And then Saturday on Sky, I think, um, I don't know, I think this one might end up somewhere here stateside. I'm going to have Dan Aziz against Joshua Boazzi. We'll get to that one. Adam Azim against Enoch Paulson, both undefeated there. Uh, Caroline Dubois uh, defending her IBO belt against Miranda Reyes. Ben Whitaker on there against um, yeah, someone. I thought and, you said uh, Adam Aziz versus Enoch Paulson. I said, Jesus Christ, must be old enough making his debut. <laughs> yeah. I wonder what kind of crowd he's going to bring with him. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> Anyhow, so this is what we have to look forward to on Saturday. Um, this I, is I it. Think... <laughs> Connor Ben as well, Matty. We're going to get to that. We'll get to that too. Uh, we, but Aziz against Boazzi, um, I think folks are generally excited uh, excited for that one. Dom, why don't you give us your thoughts? I've been looking forward to this for a good while, Matty. Um, I think Boazzi can af- afford a loss a lot less than Aziz. I could see Aziz taking an L and coming back, whereas Boazzi, given how little momentum he's had. Um, I think it's really imperative for him that he wins. Um, uh, it's it's a hard one to call. I mean, it's um, I would probably give Boazzi an edge on points. Um, I can't see him... I can't really see him stopping Aziz. Uh, but I will go for Boazzi on points in a sort of seven, seven rounds to five type of fight, which... Could could justify a rematch. Wouldn't be surprised if we see more than one of them. But uh, I'll go for Boatsy tentatively on points. Um, but he, I think he really needs to win. If he doesn't win, it's um, you'd have to ask where does he where does he go from a defeat? Yeah, where does either guy go from a defeat? Rob, your thoughts on the fight? Um, I feel like it's. It's it, it's it should be a bigger British fight than it is because Shalom and Boxer don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, for guys that have kind of all the access on Sky, it's really been a cut and paste, uh, copy job over minus Bean, hasn't it? Like they've kept all the same old fucking goons in charge. So you got Johnny Nelson, you got Woolhouse, you've got fucking um whoever the fuck else is in there. It's just it's a bit. Macklin, of course, is Teflon, the Teflon Don Macklin, who's not going anywhere. Caldwell, I just feel like with their access to Sky, they should be hyping this fight as a bigger fight. Now, I get it, the two guys are not like massive draws or whatever. Um, Dan Aziz, I don't know if he's getting plus or minus points from me for showing up to the face off in the Marvin Hagler sunglasses with the fucking war cap as well to go with it. Like, um, he's definitely given his intentions. Is this going to be the British version of Hagler Hearns? This is the kind of shit that Eddie would have been spouting about. Do you know what I mean? Adam and all them. They would have Woo. been being, they would have been hyping this shit up, but nobody seems to care about this fight. Um the the story between the two of them are friends. It's just it could have been the light heavyweight be version that, of it better be that type of fight by I mean, too friendly, like it better be fucking straight on it. No, I, I think they'll go for it, but I, I like I think obviously they'll, they'll go for it. I think, but like the the it could have been the, like the the light heavyweight version of AJ versus Dillian White. to get me? Like where Aziz can do enough in the fight to win the fans over and do enough in the build up to put himself back in the in the frame for big fights. Like you get me? Um, when they're leveraging the platform that big, I just feel like the the contest should be a bigger event but onto the fight I think Buatzi 
I think Boatsy has his number. I think it'll be a shutout. Actually, I think it'll be a. Um, I think Boatsy will win wide. Um, on the cards, and not it's not going to be a stoppage. I just think he'll box as he's. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think this fight's going to catch fire. No, I could be wrong. I just don't think it's going to be catch fire. I think Boatsy will cruise to a pause decision. All right. So two go in that direction. Uh, one thing's close. One thing's wide. Andy, your thoughts on uh, Aziz versus Bawatsi. Aziz uh, paying, I, I think, I think uh, five to two-ish as an underdog. Underdog is it? It's a shame, actually, because you know, talk about the traditional route, and he's been and done it. He's even on the road and won that, that European title, which I don't know if he still holds. Actually, before it's not on the line for this fight that I know of, so maybe he's vacated it. But, um, yeah, it should be a good scrap. Um, I think. The pressure is on Boatze, um, for me at least anyway. I mean, obviously, as I say, you've got Aziz, who's obviously won one of those three titles. I just think with Boatze, he's still got a lot to prove in me. It's just a kind of flat to deceive. And this would be a, a good statement of, of intent if he was to actually come out here and actually go for it and stop the guy if he was to do that. You know, Aziz is, 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 a, is a strong guy. I don't expect him to be stopped. He is. Is he still way... Um, who was he with? Buddy McGurk? He was with Buddy, wasn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he was, yeah. I think he's still with Buddy. Do you know that, Dom? I think he is, yes. Um, and I, what that surprised me because I had assumed for a while that he was with Gary Logan, you know, who used to work with the Adam, the, the Dark Lord. Um, now, I don't know whether Logan is just managing him now, but he was training him for a while, and I, had, I hadn't picked up that he had gone to McGurk, but yes, he is with McGurk. Yeah, so... Um... I'm probably go with what Rob is saying as well. I, th- I think Boatsy probably says it, but I-, I think it will be a closer fight than expected. I think Aziz will have moments where he's, he's boxing well. I just don't think he's maybe got the crack actually. To be fair, just uh, never know. You just never know. Though. As I say, he's, he's, he's a bigger guy, um, but Boatsy, I just think maybe he's getting slightly fresher. And I say, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping at some point he's going to put it all together, and maybe this might be the, this might be his time. We'll wait and see. All right. Steve, I'll give you final thoughts on this fight and also anything you might have to say on the undercard. Yes, thank you, Matty. Uh, first of all, on the television situation, I think you'll be able to see it if you get Peacock. I believe they have a deal with Sky Sports, if that sounds like something that would I do be. have the Peacock. Yes. I... <laughs> I'm currently using it to watch Ted the Series. I love that fucking talking bear, Steve. I love it. Fantastic. Well, that that's good. Uh, you'll be able to watch uh, Boatsy Aziz, hopefully, on that. Uh, Andy said about the pressure being on Boatsy. It is, and so should it be as well. This is a guy who's flattered to deceive. He should have stepped up a long time before. We've been fighting the likes of Richards and Aziz with all due respect a long time ago. He had the split from Eddie. It hasn't worked out for him on any level. This fight should be bigger. Again, as Rob said, it's a good fight. It should be hyped up to the nines. Um, Aziz should win if life is fair, but it isn't, unfortunately. He's a good, solid guy. He's going the Marvin Hagler route with the glasses and the shorts and the shtick, but he hasn't got the Hagler class, unfortunately, in the ring regarding his skill set. He is an honest guy who's going to come forward and put the pressure on Boatsy and make it difficult for him. Very similar to Craig Richards. But Boatsy, I think, if he's on point, he's fit and firing. He's going to have that extra bit of class, that extra bit of guile as well, and he's going to get the job done on points. He'll probably pull away down the stretch. And Aziz will end up with a bloody mouth or a bloody nose, but he'll be unbowed and Boatsy moves on to the next level. Or so we think, probably not. <laughs> who knows who he'll fight next? I don't know. Maybe Frank Buglio and he'll come out of retirement. But yeah, Boatsy on points for me. 
I'd say he's after having a phone call already off Salon. He could do a stoppage when actually just to kind of boost that profile a wee bit and do it well. Be a nice statement, Andy, if he stopped yeah. him. It would be, be, be a really good good statement. Uh, it would be, mate. I mean, see, I've got a lot of respect for Aziz, to be fair. I mean, as I say, you know, if Desnap was on the call, he probably would be saying the same thing. I mean, yeah. he's come along. Honest he's, pro. Aye. Mm-hmm. He, he went, okay, vacant titles, all that type of stuff. But at the same time, as he's took his chances, a bit like Bellew. And uh, this is his chance. I realise he's 34, so it really can't do it. And Boas is his spring chicken. He was he 30, 31. Both guys knew at a crossroads. Fucking as I say, Boas is really going to win this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matty, just a quick word on the undercard. Uh, I mentioned this before, but I'm definitely pulling for Enoch Pelson. He's 14 and 0 with five knockouts from Zambia. He has pretty much no chance. He's won the European title a couple hey, of hey, times. Hey. Vacant titles, and he's had to drop them because of injury in the past. But he went the distance with Frank Petitjean. He beat him very narrowly on, uh, by a point on two of the cards. And as uh, fight fans will know, Adam Mazine battered Petitjean for the European title. So there's levels to this. But I am a fan of Paulson because when they bought him in the ring after the Azim Petitjean fight, he, he says, where's the ring card girls at? And then Sky's uh, reporter had Ooh. to quickly uh, scurry to try and cover up that. Um, I said, we don't do that anymore. So we're like, fans um, here of Enoch Paulson anyway. What an absolute player, by the way. Absolute That's player. like homeboy that fucking knocked out David Price and said he was going to go home and put his wife in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> Break my wife's back. Oh, I'm put that bitch in a wheelchair. She'd be, she'd be crippled. Houston. She'd be in a wheelchair in the morning <laughs> to have some sex. <laughs> She mad the crib within the bar. Someone in the chat said, um, someone in the chat said as well, uh, fucking that Boatsy said has said he's on a sex band, so that means every time they say that they lose. Uh, That's a lie. They're just saying that to the missus. I got the winner in camp. Yeah, yeah, baby, I'm on a sex band. Hold on. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, Team Paulson definitely, Matty. He hasn't got the uh, the no swearing or the player of the match uh, memo. Unfortunately, he came with a bit of inappropriate content. Well, <laughs> match. Hopefully the ring card girls get them get a, a heads up and they uh, they beware. <laughs> he's packing that African black mamba. <laughs> Gio, <laughs> I'm starting to think was I progressive or old school when I was coaching under 11s and I, I some of the girls were playing. I'd be telling the boys, "Mark your man." I don't know if I was being progressive or not. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... Could have been ahead of my time. I think you could have been. <laughs> Uh, it's all rather regressive now, isn't it? <laughs> Anyhow, so uh, that card will be on Saturday evening for y'all, Saturday afternoon stateside. Uh, but if you're looking for something on Sunday morning, well, I tell you what, 60 years ago, there was a British invasion which uh, changed music forever. Um, I, I think A lot this- of British invasions changed a lot of shit forever. Go back hundreds of years with that one, mate. Well, this might be among the worst. This might be among the worst of the British invasions. Live from the Cosmopolitan in Vegas, you're going to have Connor Ben and Peter Dobson uh, and Johnny Fisher. Oh, Johnny Fisher. As well against Peter Dobson. Jesus. Where have they got this opponent from? Did did you see uh, Aussie's uh, WhatsApp seller on there? That big. By the way. Does Ozzy's missus know who he is, by the way? Does does Ozzy's missus know who she fucking married to? He said today in the group chat, 
I just told the missus about John Fisher. The cause been on the pod for the last fucking year bashing John Fisher. His missus doesn't even know who John Fisher is. He's living a double life, man. Double life. My girlfriend knows who John Fisher is, so that's that's frightening. Oh god. They 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 communicate so well. Uh, anyhow, she so called this... him inappropriate. Apparently, was 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 the language used. No word. Um, also going to have Austin Ammo Williams on the card against TBA um, as to this point in time. Um, going to have uh, 7-0-1 Khalil Co going in against 20-0 Juan Gerardo Asuna uh, and also George Littered, uh, George Littered undefeated five wins against Andrew Buchanan, uh, 3-0-1, a middleweight contest. Um, I don't know a whole lot about uh, Dobson. Uh, can anyone here fill me in? Yeah, I've seen a wee bit before. I don't know if Steve has. Looks a bit slow, Andy, it's doesn't he? It does. He's undefeated. But... What you're going to understand, guys, is he's an undefeated fighter. He's <laughs> 34 <laughs> years of age and he's 16 and 0. Yeah, um, he so he turned pro at about fucking 28. Did he? What the fuck? <laughs> uh, he has some massive names on his record in that they all have three names. So he's beaten Carlos Winston, Velasquez, Jose Miguel Borrega, and uh, fucking Rodrigo Damian Correa. Um, so he's got good pedigree coming into this fight. I'm expecting a big upset. I don't know about you guys. <laughs> I, don't, I really, I really think um, it's going to be Ben trying to hunt this guy down. He's a bit of counter puncher to be fair. So there's a lot of movement. Seems to have a bit of sneaky right hand to be fair. So I don't know. About, I hope about it's the fucking power. sneakiest right hand in history. I, <laughs> I hope know. it's the fucking sneakiest of all time. I hope he fucking. Oh my god, I would love it. Some of the fights, as I say, it was just brief highlights that I seen. He was. He can he can throw a right hand quite sneakily. They can maybe like just stun a fighter, maybe just catch him unawares. Steve's right. He does look very slow though, way, but natural counter fighter. So Ben's probably got to go hunting for him. Um. Might be tough enough to see it out to the to the end because who I forget who it was, it was actually gave them some props. I don't know if it was Polly, so I don't know if that's a kiss of death actually if you want to talk about that. But had a bit of an amateur career as well, from what I understand, and he's been fighting pro and other type of combat fights. So don't know, but Ben, I don't even know what weight this is actually. To be fair, but Ben. <sighs> I'm the interest, mate. And, and, unless I wake up Sunday morning and someone tells me he got iced, that's the only time I'm taking interested. I'll watch a fight or watch your highlights, possibly, if it's 12 rounds. Don't expect me to be breaking it down unless Conor Ben gets knocked out. That's when I'm on top of my game. That's when it'll be happening. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going to be cannon fire, isn't he, for Ben? Like, uh, he's brought possibly. in there as a fucking, to keep, they have to keep the possibility of the Eubank fight going, and it's probably going to happen in Saudi, isn't it? Like, I'm no, I'm not, I'm not thinking he, he's going to walk in and blast him out of there. I think it will be, I got about, about a long night, to be fair. Um, maybe it's a late stoppage, but I wouldn't be surprised to see you go the distance. You know, Dobson has a few undefeated names on his record. That he faced, I don't know if any of them went and did anything beyond it. He doesn't seem like he's entirely without talent. I don't think he's fought anybody that's had over twenty fights, has he? He's... Yeah, as, as as you said, mate, he's he's turned pro kind of late in his uh, late in life and that as well. You know, twenty fourteen, not really been the active. I mean, that's that's a decade now. Just about he's been he's been a pro. Oh, shit, man, he's like Van Wilder in college, and then he just decided to turn pro. He's fucking. He hasn't fought since Rob. He hasn't fought since June twenty twenty two, man. He's on the couch eighteen month. 
Ah, for fuck's sake, we're bringing him. He must have thought he must have fucking thought all his Christmases come together. There's a reason this fucker hasn't fought for fucking two years. <laughs> He's Jesus. been waiting for the shot. <laughs> Jesus Christ, life, life changing Shameless. money, Cooks. Ames has mentioned that thing as well that combat league. I've noticed that before. You fight one round, don't you? And if you win, you go on to fight someone else in a round. It's just, it's the oddest thing. Like, I really wish they would have brought the prize fighter format to the heart of Mexico and just let all the fucking club fighters fight each other on a knife with a bread. Like, I think that would have been amazing. Just let the bull fights just stick them in there instead. Exactly. Yeah, no, Ames, Ames is right. He's been fighting in that combat league thing, but it's, he's be- barely been active. I suppose if you tot up the rounds, it's what, 20 rounds? Yeah, I think he's been rounds, fighting there, mate. I think yeah, he's been fighting yeah. there for the last year, yeah. though, to be fair, yeah. eh? Rather than fighting pro fights. He's been in the gym doing bits. Yeah, I suppose, but it's no That's fighting then. Definitely, like, you know, the guy who's calling for Terence Crawford. Uh, Keith Thurman, Jerome Boots, Ennis. That's the kind of guys you need to get on the way up. You know what I mean? The Peter yeah. Dobsons, the lads who were in the combat league for the last year. That's going to prepare you nicely for Boots, Ennis. Ernest Crawford. You know, uh, Boots, Ennis, man. I would love it. You know something? It would be great to see that fight. Ennis against, against Ben. That would be something Eddie's got content. him on a fucking... Just go say everyone's name, man. Say everyone's name. It don't matter because you're not fighting them anyway. Go on and call out everybody. I would love for Boots just to come out and just say it. Okay, mate. There's 500 grand. Didn't you come? Chance to be a world champion now. Yeah. Boots is upgraded, isn't he? So, you know, you talk the talk now. It's time to walk the walk. He's never going to find Boots Ennis. Fucking Boots Ennis would fucking send him out zipped up in a bag. <laughs> and I'm going to be morbid like about boxing. But that's fucking Boots Ennis would kill Conor Ben. Kill him. I'll tell you that. Yeah, we, we wish him abs- the absolute best. I don't, I, I don't know that his opponent is um, without a chance in this fight. We'll, we shall see. The uh, fight uh, with uh, between uh, Khalil Co and Juan Gerardo Asuna that could actually be interesting because you just don't know. Uh, you look at his glossy record of Asuna, and he hasn't really fought anyone, but he's also only twenty three years old. He's he's uh, he's still a young guy. So that that battle between undefeated light heavyweights, uh, that could actually end up being interesting, or or it could end up being junk. Um, we shall see. Though you never know about a twenty and zero Mexican; they could be many things. So, a lot of them are. <laughs> so I yeah, why not? You can be anything you want to be. Um, but anyhow, I think that that is all we have for this uh, for this week on this end of things. So, Steve, if you want to rock and roll, I think we can do the Bell of the Week. Excellent. Thank you very much, Matty. Bell of the Week for episode, what are we on now? 557, fairly going through them. Uh, Matty's here, Dominic's here, Rob's here, Andy's here, me, Steve. What should we play us in with this week? Let's have a look and see if we can find an old classic. AB, we haven't heard much from AB lately. Let's play, let's play his post-fight interview. Just spotted it sitting there, just, just waiting for us. Was it everything you wanted and needed? Um, It wasn't everything I... Well, it was everything I wanted, but it wasn't everything I needed. Right now, I need some pussy. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right, before we get to that, who do you want next in the ring? TMI. Hey, man, listen, man. This is my first time on Don King pay-per-view, so I got to get it to y'all. Anybody can get it. Africans, Americans, Dominicans. No disrespect to no law firm out there, but attorney just got it. Anybody can get it. 
Is there nobody special that you'd like to want that you're asking for or looking for? Anyone with the title? Anybody with the title. Uh, I see, uh, uh, what's his name? R Romello? R uh, Retardo? What's his name? Oh. Roly. Oh, Roly. Oh, Shit. Um, I like the winner of Tia Fimo and Josh Taylor. And whoever, whoever else got the belt. I want all the belts. I don't just want a Louis belt, a Gucci belt. I want the WBA belt and WBO belt, WBC belt and IBF belt too. Don, what do you have in mind for our young man, Adrian Broner? What's, what do you have in mind? What's next for him? Well, you know, right now, you know, there's this guy named Oscar De La Hoya. You know, he sent out a waiver and he wants to meet with us. We're going to talk about it. Nah, let him know. If he want to come over here, we got a fish net for him. Okay, we got whatever, whatever he say. That's whatever he say, because we're the problem here, man. Hey, Oscar, you heard what he said. You know what I mean? Come over here, get that fish net, and I'm going to kick whoever asked you put in the ring with me. All righty. All righty. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. My car crash, man. <laughs> Don King, this is my first time on Don King pay-per-view. Let, let, me, let me hazard a guess that it's going to be your last time on Don King pay-per-view as oh, well. Oh, man, he has, he has washed it again, I've seen, man. Jesus Poor Boom Boom Mancini in at the deep end there, wasn't he? Like He wasn't expecting Pussy to be oh, on the possible assets, was he? He was like, oh, I've, shit. Don. Can, can you remember what fight it was when, when Bruno walked out with the side piece? Who, what fight was it again? I'll uh, never forget. Polly. Polly. No, that wasn't the Polly fight. No, no. <clears throat> it was. It was like it wasn't this. It was after someone's fight, and he walked out with this, this hood rat. Was his side piece, right? <laughs> it was absolutely horrific. Right. I remember it was like he was on. He's on the cash app, and he's he's he's, he's, he's in the back seat scrambling at it. Right. <laughs> oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember that. Oh, the scariest The lady, the lady in question imagine. put out a tweet and said, I just got ate out by Adrian Broner in a limo. He a <laughs> demon, horny face emoji, she put out. Um, so, oh. pound for pound, he's still at the top of the pound for pound, some list, somewhere. Yeah, Broner, shout out to all the side pieces, we wish them well. Yes. <laughs> all, all, all these years later, and it's like, I just got ate out by Adrian Broner in the back of a van, frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> Not even his van. What's <laughs> that? Put a tongue here in this shape, man. Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh gosh, where do you, how do you follow that? Uh, there's Alan Picasso, uh, Matty. The fuck. <laughs> <laughs> the With fuck? an intimidating ring attire. Who the fuck is that? That's Alan Picasso. Did he, sell that? Did he steal that from an eight-year-old birthday not party? The, that's not the painter's son, is it? Or grandson's son, is it? Certainly got an abstract-looking face. <laughs> I'm not sure what he was thinking there. Like that quiff as well, by the way. That, but... He could fight, well, for the first four rounds, anyway. I think there he stopped. <laughs> uh, no, he fought that Ruiz, didn't he? And then he got his rib busted. and he, oh, he's, he talented. he's talented. He looks in that clip like he's about to pass a message across a restaurant or something, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Hi, <laughs> <laughs> Alan Picasso. Sounds like a character with a toast to London, says Michael Thompson. He does. He does indeed. Let's see what else we've got here. Not too many tonight. Uh, Jaime, he's getting stuck in on Connor on the big fight week. He says, Connor Ben is judged to a different standard to other boxers. 
Miller was a walking, talking pharmacy, yet nobody asked him a thing about it when he was fighting Dubois. Regardless of if people believe Connor or not, Andy, there is definitely an agenda against him coming from you. There's not. I'll tell you why. Because Miller said, I did that shit. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I got caught. I did it. I'm going to have to take the ban. Sorry. I don't know what it's I did. For, well, first he said, first he said, I didn't do it. And then he popped off for about nine other substances. And then he was like, all right, you got me. You got me. But Connor Ben, you know why I always say, say about anybody, right? My friends or anything. I would rather someone try to take fucking 20 euro out of my wallet than tell me lies. Like, and Conor Bain, liabilities, man. He lied the whole way through that fucking thing with his dossier, his Pierce Morgan fucking speech, his bullshit. He forced on us, like the boxing public, like trying to fucking protest his innocence. Him and Baumgartner, by the way, fucking holding their own court of appeals and everything. Like, he's a fucking asshole. There's nothing to do with him being judged to another standard. It's his own fault. Like, and he's now cutting about telling us and anybody that listened to him that he's cleared. Cleared by who? By what? And for what, actually? Fucking turning up at fucking events, Katie Taylor events and all, giving Kell Brook aggro. Would you fucking say, like, Kell Brook was a great fighter, man. Like, whatever the fuck people say about him, whatever, he was a good fighter. Like, and he, he was a genuine, legit world champion, like a world-class fighter in his day. And Conor Bain, like, has fucking, do you know what I mean? Like, what the nerve of this guy, like, fucking hey, sitting fucking on the sidelines yeah. because he's fucking popped hot. And he's going around like the world has an agenda against him. No, nobody was thinking about this motherfucker before we were kind of warming to him up until this point. Like, and then he popped when he popped and then he went on his fucking PR campaign. That's when he turned every single neutral person in the sport against him. Like, he's an asshole. I know, I know where he's gone wrong, wrong Rob. He, he, he hasn't got the legal advice of MJP yet. That's that's the problem. <laughs> she would have got him out of trouble. Serafina, oh. that's who we needed in this was there, like yeah. this. She would have just thrown him under the bus like Big Baby Miller and like, fuck him. <laughs> Good old Sarah. Uh, talking to Kel Brook, actually, he was bought up uh, in an Eddie. Eddie was being interviewed in IFL and Jet Wash for You says rips into Thurman being out the ring. But he's Wash for You. Weekend Bender to fight Ben. And Grey Louch says, Kelly's a seven-day bender. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I'm not doing it. I'll tell you this after. <laughs> I'm fucking that... unbelievable joke. I have an unbelievable joke, but I can't. I can't. We'll be bombed forever after the bond, after the bond. He was almost Simon Jordan there during the week. Then it, uh, you didn't see any of it all day? No, I haven't seen it, no. No, I didn't watch any of the interviews, man. Fucking hell, No, mate. Kel was. Oh, it come up on the my YouTube recommended. Oh right. Yeah, I had to delete that immediately. Did you watch it, Dominic? I did actually. I watched the whole thing. Mm. Um, I think I watched it uh, the other day. But he, he um, it's funny. Jordan asked him about the, uh, you know, all the famous incidents and um, or infamous incidents, I should say. And oh, it's uh, funny it's whenever smoking beef. <laughs> it's just it's just funny the way it the way he explains. Like I'm, I was always a fan of him and had sympathy for him, but um, you know, Jordan was just pointing out to him like time and time again that <laughs> the, 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 the trend is that you've, you're just in the wrong company all the time. And it, it, did, did you watch it, Rob? No, I'm putting the joke in the chest. Just as I didn't put it in the mind chat. Oh, man. You have to be on the Patreon for that one. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> Suffice to say, we're not going to be watching. I don't remember the days you used to be able to tell that in the workplace. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a fit feel a comeback day, man. <laughs> do you actually watch it over your shoulder? It makes you the fucking. Did I tell that? Now, now we get cancelled like Enoch Paulson. 
<laughs> now in Ireland in a few months I can go to jail for five years just for having it on my phone so <laughs> make the best of it while I'm here lads <laughs> oh dear Rick Glazer a week doesn't go by when Rick's not nominated David Palmer getting stuck in this time Rick says my business day has already started haven't accomplished anything yet but I won't accomplish anything if I'm not trying I'm trying hard glazerboxing.com since 1991 they are Matty the internet was even around hashtag boxing 24 7 365 boxing.com since 1991 is anybody checking see if he's actually got a website go and, go well, and check it he right has, there. i checked it it's actually kitted out quite well actually is it? i wonder so where we got the funding for that from so what did he do then mate if you think of it what he does it just well, like, I, uh, let me tell you uh andrew uh, here, in fact, um, let me see if I'm going to the... screen share and we can go through it together. Let me see. Share oh, screen. I love this story time. Here we go. Share screen. <sighs> Glazer, boxing promoter. Right. Can everybody see that? Okay. Hang on. Let me get rid of David Palmer. There we are. Right. Agent, broker and consultant. Right. Okay. Consultant, yeah. Contact Rick. Well, there he is. So what does he do? Um, it says, thank you for your interest and for clicking on our completely revised website. Corporate partner. Uh, clients have included promoters, managers, fighters, casinos, networks. Providing a vast array of services. Still hasn't said what he does. So it looks like There's no compensation if I don't succeed in what's been asked of me to accomplish. It's that simple. Sounds like a bit of a tea boy, doesn't it? No offence, Rick. Does he pay for his drinks or does he get accused of stealing them and get thrown out of the club? <laughs> He's raging about that, wasn't he? Yeah, corporate <laughs> partner. Oh, here we go. This is what we need to know. Ah, it's getting managed at this point, is it? Other than that, we'd have been in with the Patreon money, the former uh, partnership that to do yeah. God knows what with the Glazer. Digital marketing agency. Yeah. Uh, testimonials. Like Let's have a look at some testimonials. Here we are. Bruce Trampler. Didn't you hear him? In the pudding. Bruce Trampler. That's a made-up name. <laughs> Don King, here we are. If I attempted to duplicate Rick Glazer, it would be nearly impossible. Great boxing guy, excellent businessman, just as important, extremely trustworthy. Plus, he gets results quickly and swiftly. All righty. Don, Don King silver approval. I must tell you that you're corrupt. Don Don King didn't say that, did he? That's not the way Don speaks. <laughs> yeah. You read read that, Eddie. That's not Don King. Look, look. He doesn't speak. That's Don, Don King. King. We don't know if it's Don King. <laughs> That's the promoter. <laughs> Legendary Don, boxing Don promoter. There's nothing from Don Dan. Trailer. Not from Don Trelly either. <laughs> junior or senior. No, he's not paid his money yet. <laughs> Matt Ratner. Right, he's too busy. Yeah, there you go. Eh? What else is there? Where else Contact. we go here? Contacts. Oh. Ah, there you go. There's his phone number. Phone Email number. address. He's Twitter. Inductee into the New York State Boxing Hall of Fame. Elector to the International Boxing Hall of Fame. Dull, I was expecting more from that, to be honest. Yeah, so I was expecting like, testimonials and that. Are like, we oh, going in the Hall of Fame, by the way? Yeah, which all of them you talking about? Any of them? You see, this is the thing that sprung up. I was just thinking about this. He, he, I thought there was just the ABHOF, you know, the international. Oh, no, 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 no. Now you've had like the halls of fame all over. We should start our own hall of fame, hall of shame. Oh, we do have a bell of the week. That's a great idea. That's true. Rick versus Garden a creep off. Anyway, <laughs> sorry, I was just going to smell your uh, your neck, but you've got the camera rolling. Yes, yes. Can I just, can I just your neck, yes, sweetheart. Oh, you, there's a camera running. Oh, sorry, are you live just now? Hey, Eddie, give me eyes. Yeah, we're live. Quebec City. I'll never forget Eddie's. You need to play that again. You need to watch Eddie 
watch Eddie kind of just plant his eyes on 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 on, on the guys and disgust, and then he's like. Yeah, we're live. I haven't got it alone. Oh my god. Fucking creep. You know the way we're always making up like potential TV shows for like uh, the guy to be in? I kind of like to see him in a kind of a hardcore UK detective in the 80s in around Soho job. Do you get me? Like something like that. Like <laughs> where he has inexplicably has a Magnum fucking revolver. This is Fight Club. <laughs> somehow he somehow he, he somehow ends up infiltrating a fucking Chinese heroin smuggling operation or something like that. You know what I mean? I need to fucking like John's in there eating evidence. And all these because he's not the phone. I think oh, need to oh, here there he is. Matt Minge. There you are. Oh, sorry, Matt Minge, sorry. The watch I along. I need to say, I need to be honest, right? I don't know if he's if he's left them. I don't mean it in a bad way, but see, I've seen this picture there. Before I opened it up, I actually thought the guy in the middle was actually Rob Tebbit. After Matt Binge. After a seven-day bender. And you've got, big, you've got big fish and wee fish as well. How are they going to get all these people who are so hard to get to um, turn up at these kind of events all the time at the same time? You've you've missed the main bit as well. Forged Irish stout giveaways. Such a need. Need that in your life. (laughs) Quail McGregor will be there on the site handing it all out. That's a nice competition, isn't it? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Maisie Rose there. Ebbs. Okay, big John will just turn up for a price of Chinese or something like that day. <laughs> it's it's fucking it. easy. <laughs> Two for one fishes on the fucking ticket there. Compare the size of Ebbs' fist and Big John's. <laughs> I think we should get tickets for this for Ozzy and the missus. <laughs> Wait, you know, could you imagine? Oh, could, I'll be a I, divorce. <laughs> Pre-nuptial divorce <laughs> for poor Oz. Oh, we wish them well. <laughs> we wish them well. The watch Back along. Ozzy going the domestic route with John Back Fisher. Uh, all around nice guy Jamel Herring has been having a bit of beef with the uh, boxing yeah. spazo Art Man. And uh, Art, someone oh. says he's going to meet up and fight Art Man. And Jamel Herring says, <laughs> this is a bad one. Only if he brings Bill Cosby. I bet, but I need, I, need mad, a, I need to tell a story before, before I forget, right? <coughs> he tried to do this rap video. <laughs> he tried to do this rap video and he's kicking about with his fucking gun. I don't know if it's fucking loaded, right? And next minute he pulls out the bottle of cognac. The only problem is it was a fucking quarter bottle. <laughs> yeah, fucking bum. <laughs> <laughs> the fucking gun was bigger than the bottle, man. Yeah, fucking useless tadger. I quite like Art, man. He's like a parody, anyway. <laughs> He's fucking, he chewed me $200, man, the fucking Wiltshire. <laughs> He's off his head, man. He is absolutely... But yeah, I don't know if that's his more or his missus, man. I, I couldn't, I'm not sure. Yeah, we wish them both well. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he was mad for a bit, wasn't he? He didn't pay anyone. He's just... <laughs> Shameless man, he just didn't pay anyone to start turning back up on Twitter with a gun. Like, all right, come and get the money. I have a granny man for the township. <laughs> if you riled up Jamel Herring, who's one of the most passive, yeah, the nicest like... guys in the sport. Like, <laughs> Fuck yeah. oh well, I remember the LDBC, was it? No, yeah, well, I don't know. I don't think the LDBC even wanted him, Andy. He's that bad. <laughs> he, got, he got fucking cooked the night of um Crawford and Spence, he got cooked. Cooked. 
him and the other fucking idiot. Who was your man? Uh, Ray Jackson was oh, it? Oh, Jackson, was fucking yeah. Trolling, trolling Crawford for fucking years, basically like pro era Spence got absolutely flamed up. Hit him. Do you ever see the footage of Ray? Ray Jackson watching the fight. He's like, hit him, Earl. God damn, hit him, Earl. <laughs> he got oh. he got uh, sacked, didn't he? Recently, Jackson. They're all slagging him on Twitter or something. Or so. Did he? I think so. Yeah. Not that to happen to anyone unless they were. No, no. We wish him well. Yeah. Uh, Oscar, <laughs> Oscar's here. Uh, De La Hoya appears to His Excellency. I can make you proud. <laughs> I can make you proud, Your Excellency. <laughs> make it rough, guy. Make it rough and tough for those camels for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, His Excellency said, listen, we've got a fishnet over here for you if you want to get cooked. Oscar just wants to know if you want one humps or two. <laughs> That's the last thing they need over there is Delahoya, isn't it, man? Let's be honest. Well, to be honest, my use is making competitive fights, to be fair. Well, but that's it's... true. That's true, yeah. Oscar feeling left out. He hasn't got much choice, has he? Uh, but hey, <laughs> I, I, most, this is probably going to be my, my only belly to beat this week, but just to fast forward a wee bit. See, see uh, I was watching, did you watch a fight last night? Did you see his missy sitting next to him? Yeah. Right, I sent right, right, wait a minute here. <laughs> right, people keep telling me it's the future, but I think the future's here in the fucking present. That's artificial intelligence, that woman, by the way. I'm fucking telling you. I don't think there's much intelligence on this. <laughs> yeah, it's artificial intelligence. You know, she's, like, she's, she's just there. She just looks like plastic. And... Did you see the picture she took him in the bath team, man? With his fucking legs open, she's got the hands to cover him up. What's up? What the fuck? The, the memo, the memo should be out to these ones now. Like, the, chill out on the Botox because you don't know what this shit's going to look like in twenty five years. You get me? Like, <laughs> maybe relax now a little bit, reel it back in a little bit, grow gracefully. Oscar's lying there with a cow part on his face, doing that as well. I swear to God, man, you ever have to go to a fortieth birthday these days? It just feels like that fucking movie Saw. You know, with the fucking everyone's got them fucking. <laughs> Cheekbones the same, and the big chin, and they're all going around with the dead behind the eyes look because they can't fucking move their faces. Oh. Hey, I swear to me, I seen the man the day walking in the shop, man, with a fucking drought pout. Honestly, she must have been in her early 20s. I'm saying to myself, you've fucked yourself for life, hen. Just about that. Fucking the door opened. Fucking, I was all far at the start like, from the girls, like they had, like, you know, you remember you used to meet girls, uh, like, Zero top lip, like they didn't have a top lip, and then all of a sudden they were going around like they had lips. That was good for them, like, but it's just gone too far now. <laughs> like, it's got a bit much. Everybody's face is all shiny. Fuck, <laughs> can't, I can't do it, man. It's fucking Oscar's missus, I think, has like gone papers. past Botox, though, isn't it? I think she's got she's had some some major um surgery, and that's good for her if she wants to do that. I'm all for that. You described her, Rob, when I sent you that picture, you said, uh. You described her as a reptilian shapeshifter. And no, I shut up, Dominic. You don't have to be telling the fucking whole world what I've seen in WhatsApp. <laughs> I, said, I said, are you talking about her, Oscar? Yeah. <laughs> Did you just call him a reptilian shapeshifter? It's, it's, it's certainly one you would need to power through by a semi like to be fair. That motherfucker <laughs> is not real. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just what I'm saying. She's just, it's just this the look. And she's got the long... I, I said to this woman the other day, I said, how did, seriously, how do you how do they look their ass? with the fucking nails that man I can't understand how he came from a country he, he's Mexican like and he turns up anyway listen whatever he had a whole of Mexico he could have fucking worked through there like 500 women with, oh Jesus well with her well <laughs> um, Billy Joe Saunders announced he was coming out of retirement and put up a oh. photo and Ryan Deal did the Lord's work and created this masterpiece <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> He's been on fire lately. Who's he going to fight, Saunders? If I could beat Chris Eubank Jr., my dad would beat me with a chain. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an assassin fuck me. Uh, brilliant. If I go back to the sort where I live, my dad would beat me with a chain. Do, do the one of them when he's telling the fella that he banged his missus that was the one when he phoned up the guy and he, you, you have heard the guy actually apologising to him for banging his head missus uh, your mum was like you're going to stop saying that you were sleeping with he's like I can't do that mate because that's going to yeah. make a liar out of me yeah. <laughs> yeah. everyone oh, remembers the, the one with Wilder in Belfast but the one that I always I always can't forget it wasn't actually him it was his son hitting Willie Monroe Jr. in the groin at the way in I've never seen anything like Frank Warren looks shocked like I remember one of my favourites from Saunders is when he's calling Kurt to say Danny DeVito he's like you fucking Danny DeVito didn't know who he was dealing with did he? Oh, yeah. Kurt <laughs> exactly. says like let me get on his phone asshole he's out now he's out now that the rematch they are well not, not even a rematch I don't think did he let you that'd be a good fight for both of them wouldn't it yeah, yeah. They're, they're talking about his first, if he does come back his first fight's going to be at 175 Modern no least. way it, it, no way it. <laughs> why does what he I, look what like I... a, why does he look like a bearded John Candy <laughs> I think John Candy's in better shape Matty right anyway <laughs> there's all the ones oh Andy there's your mate I'll throw him as well <laughs> oh, oh, Jeremy Hayes <laughs> or Tinder <laughs> fucking rat like some corrupt British MP don't they <laughs> <laughs> Every MP is fucking corrupt. Every Why is he looking at me like that? I don't Because <laughs> <laughs> he wants to make look. love to you, Rob. That reminds me, I used to go to this barber and he kept fucking looking at me in the mirror like that. I stopped going in the end. Like, <laughs> Every time I was going, he's looking at me in the mirror like that. I was like, look, man, sorry. I'm breaking up with this barber. Fuck that. Just wanted to do a good job. Right. All the ones that how, how long did you wait between haircuts, Rob? Couple, <laughs> couple days. Rob. I get me haircut every week. He's there every week. <laughs> <laughs> Took me about five or six appointments before I figured out this was something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, uh, Matty, what do you have for us this week, please? I was going to nominate that asshole, but you you stole it, so right on. <laughs> Super job. Uh, Dominic, what have you got for us? I've just got one excellent nomination, Steve. I, I told you about this earlier in the week. Um, it was from an interview that Ames, I don't know if he's in the chat, but he, he sat down for a, a, a chat with Thomas Hauser earlier this week, and uh, Hauser was going in on Eddie as he as he's wont to do, and out of nowhere, he just sort of said um, Eddie's given a lot of opportunities to Sky Nicholson. Um, I don't see... I don't see where this is coming from or what the reasoning is behind this. And I was obviously clear he knew exactly what he was doing, but um, it was it was it was brilliant. Like he's just pure shit how he's really like. But uh, it's how's me. Well done, good one. But um, Ian said <laughs> me, he said I wonder will Eddie Hauser said he would he invited Eddie to sit down with him for a sort of head to head um on neutral ground. And of course Eddie when he was asked about this the other day, um, he says uh, why would I want to sit down? and speak to Thomas Hauser so um, he, no enthusiasm for Eddie for a chat with Thomas Hauser but um, thought he missed that actually the full clip was he said why would I want to sit down with Thomas Hauser when I'm fucking banging Sky Nicholson I got better shit to do <laughs> fuck that I sit mean... down with this curly head fucker talking about drugs <laughs> fuck off <laughs> he makes a good point <laughs> <laughs> just, just a cut thirsty, 
That was good from Hauser, though. He knew exactly what he was doing. Oh, he does. He knows what he's doing. Plausible deniability. Yes, exactly. Right, uh, nothing from Oz. Anything from you, Rob? Yeah, I've got two uh, for this week. So the guy would be completely self-unaware. Uh, Nick Hennessy's daughter's a fighter, isn't she? Yes, Francesca. Francesca, so she posted on her Insta, came up with me It's like, and then God's in the clip. He's like, Francesca's got it all. She's teenage. She's beautiful. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> this guy has not learning. He's not learning his own lesson. Oh, what people think of him. He's not doing anything to fucking pour any fucking cold water on the smoke here. The guy, like, she's a teenage, beautiful fighter. <laughs> She's beautiful. Hey, she lives on a dark street. He's talking about Connor Ben. He, he can't talk about Connor Ben without referring to him as a wonderful human being. <laughs> <laughs> Brett Rogers. And uh, fucking, what's it called? Uh, Roy Jones, 55. Is scheduled to fight Antonio Tarver, 54. Oh, um, no way. So is it going to be revenge or a thief for Roy? Fuck's sake. Fuck's sake. You see, the Roy, King, man. you see the Kingpin Johnson has sort of followed Roy's example and become an honorary citizen of Bloody oh, yeah, and yeah. He couldn't wait to get to fucking Russia. Uh-huh. Kingpin. Bet, you there, bet you they're in the employ of the CIA, the Kingpin and Roy. They're like, they're sleepers, the two of them. Yeah, they're the, they're the top of the CIA's list, I'd say, if you want to like go Dennis, infiltrate a country. Dennis <laughs> Rodman, Dennis Rodman King, and King North Korea. Now we know why they call him Kingpin. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like, think there's too many brain cells left between them. Kaiser Sosa and everybody all along, Kingpin Johnson. Um, yeah, so Roy versus Tav. Like, Roy, stop, man, will you? We love you. Like, we don't want you to die in a ring. Just give it up, man. We were the greatest fighter of all time. There's no need to. But I kind of want him to get his moment against Tav. <laughs> so I hope he spacks Tav if they do have this fight. Thomas, Thomas, Rob, where were you when, when Tav? The first fight, actually, when didn't Roy win the first fight? Yeah, he won the first. He won fight. the first fight. I was He'd in my house. down, had from Ruiz a few months later. I was in my house with me dad, who was the the biggest Roy Jones detractor in history right. up until he retired, and then he changed his opinion of him, and he was the greatest thing since fucking Budain. He was like, "I told you, I fucking told you, he's no good. I told you when he when he carried Mike McCallum that time was really want to be knocking him out. <laughs> Mike McCallum, like you want to be fucking knocking him out at seventy five pounds. He fucking used to always be. Yeah, so I remember." that one and then the knockout that came after and he was just smug as anything like <laughs> fucking Roy Jones getting paid because Ruiz was his man because his name because his nickname was the fucking quiet man and that was my dad's <laughs> favourite film so he was pissed <laughs> off that Roy Jones had beat oh, fucking John Ruiz so sick man <laughs> Jesus Christ oh dear Andy what have you got for us please uh, just not much, mate. Just that Lewis Crocker celebration. I think he won the world title, and that the way he was going on there last night. Just a bit of a weight bully, I suppose, and that. So one for that. Um, don't think there's anything else. Aye, that's it. Lovely. Right, let's go through them quickly. All the ones the boys mentioned, plus a bit of Picasso there with his outfit. We had Jaime <laughs> defending Con. We had Kel in the comments. We had Rick Glazer twenty four seven Glazer boxing never stops. Uh, John Fisher never stops. The watch along. You can get stuck into that if you want. Jamel Herring labelling Artman's Mrs. Bill Cosby. Uh, we've got Oscar appealing to His Excellency. Have a bit of Jeremy Hayes. Oscar's Mrs. And Ryan Deal. You <laughs> Billy Joe Saunders, Rob. You go for it. How's there with being a bit. 
You don't be putting uh, fucking psychic business in the street, Hauser. It's all it's okay exposing all the wrongdoing in the sport, but that's a fucking step too far for me. So Hauser's getting it for me this week. Good stuff. One for Thomas Hauser. Dominic, who are you going for? Yeah, I'll go for Hauser as well. And um don't know if he's ever won the, the prestigious belly of the week before, but I'll just say I, I agree with what Andy's saying his nomination about Crocker. Uh, being deadly serious, I thought, you know, he does have a point there. Like uh, he was celebrating that he flipping knocked out Sugar Ray Leonard or something, but um, yes, yeah, uh, that was a point well made. Okay, Matty, two for Thomas Hauser. He could finally be putting the cherry on the top of his worthless career and winning the value of the week. Are you going for? No way. 119-109 from this chump. Fuck him. Jeremy Hayes this week, sir. Jeremy Hayes. Andy, who you got? Jeremy Hayes, mate. Ooh. What an absolute rebel that guy is. The same vote for you, Stephen. Well, I wasn't going to go for either of them, but I suppose I'm going to have to, aren't I, to make this uh, nice and fair. So I think I will go for Hauser as well. I'll go for Thomas Hauser. I, I liked his little quip. He's, it's not beneath him, is it? A little, a little low blow from Hauser, a bit of salt in the eyes. So yeah. Steam Raider dropping oh, a bit of... Jesus, Steve, just fucking cross south into the border already. Fucking jeez. Would be happy to, Matty. Would be happy to, but... <laughs> Not until Thomas Hayes is my value of the week award. Fucking hell. <laughs> For episode 557. Congratulations. Back to you, Matty. Quickly. Thank you. Oh, Lordy. Uh, it was a good one this week. I'd like to thank uh, everybody for coming on this week. Ricky Graville for his generous uh, $5, five pounds that he threw in there. Uh, Des came on earlier today. We've had Andy Patterson, Dominic, Rob Kelly, Steve Wellings. I've been your host, Matt DeJohnard. We'll be back with you guys next week to uh, review everything that we discussed. And we'll also discuss uh, the return of Tiafimo Lopez against Jermaine Ortiz, which is going to be on a Thursday night, crazy as that might be. Uh, but we are looking forward to it. going to be a fair bit of action that week. And uh, you folks take care of yourselves, and we will see you next week. We'll never forget... We want to be honest, yeah. Crying like a little bitch. I've never met a fucking soul that can fight me. I fell asleep. I fell asleep. You're a fucking bum. You're a fucking asshole. Rumpo fucking stealth skin. But allegedly, Oscar Rivas has has failed has failed a test. Seven year age. Seven, you're I don't fucking smash. Fuck are you? I hope you fucking die. Be safe. I love boxing sounds. Simple as that. Sports Social Podcast Network.